What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Track 15. This is the Rook and the Kid podcast. I'm your host, the Rook, and I'm joined by my host, the Kid, and the analyst down at the bottom joins us. We're without the medical guy today, and we'll get to the reasons why later in the podcast, um, which will be pretty entertaining. But we had quite an entertaining week. One of the things that we wanted to cover uh, as we get going, of course, we're going to cover the Dallas Cowboys brutal loss to the Arizona Cardinals. Um, but first, we're going to do our Shatter the Script media clip segment, followed by some NFL games, and we'll creep right into the Dallas Cowboys talk. And then we'll catch up with some uh, two-minute drills, some stats that you might have missed, some injuries you might have missed, some three-leg picks from the kid, some stardom sit-ups from the rook, um, a couple power rankings, and we'll wrap this bad boy up. Before we move on, we'll get a little check-in for everybody the Rook and the Kid had a good podcast last week. We got to talk talk about and cover a bunch of different topics. It was kind of just getting back into that format. So, the analysts, it's good to have you back. How's everybody doing today? Ryan, you excited to present some facts um, for this Cowboys game? Yeah, I'm not doing too good today with the Cowboys loss. <laughs> I, got a, I got a lot of scrutiny at work because of it. So, everybody's doing the typical, you know, pocket watching of Dallas and making sure that everybody knows that Dallas lost, even though their team, you know, played at 12 PM on a, on a Sunday and no one really cared, but you know, you gotta, you gotta let everybody know that Dallas lost. So that's, it's like a own parade in the middle of Houston when Dallas loses, which is always, always fun. (laughs) Hunter, uh, how, how, how has your Monday been when yesterday or the day before the beginning of the week? How, how was your first day in corporate America experiencing a Cowboys loss? <laughs> well, I'm in the different part of uh, corporate America. It's more of the, uh, you know, car sales guys like me, you know, kind of jocks, you know, dickheads and all that. But we're all good people. And most of it, I didn't get any scrutiny too much. It was just more of, you know, hey, Hunter, you watch the game? It's like. Oh, don't worry. I watched the game, and, yeah. and I was like, I'm ready to go on the pod and kind of go from there and talk about it. And yeah, I didn't get any too much scrutiny like Mr. May over here, but trust <laughs> me, I, I know well, good, it, yeah. I'm new. I'm new, so not everybody knows I'm a Cowboys get fan yet. Yeah, they'll get you. Yeah, and that's why I made uh, that post with uh, <laughs> it's actually going viral right now, which is a, a fun thing to watch uh, with over like couple uh like 25,000 views I think uh so <laughs> it's always fun making memes but let's get into our shatter the script segment and we're going to start with RG3 talking about how the Cowboys miss Zeke and this should be quite entertaining for us um because we've we've been through this before your job when you pay a quarterback let's a take a listen is to protect him, right so if Dak's reluctant to to use his legs in those situations and they don't want to do you know you know, really kind of organized quarterback runs out there. For right. I don't have a problem with that. The problem I have is for, it felt like two or three years, everyone at this network and no around worried, the world was buffers. talking about Zeke being washed. Yeah. But the bottom line is the Dallas Cowboys miss Zeke right now. Right. Last year, he was 17 for 21 on third and fourth down conversion, mm-hmm. uh, short yardage situations in the red zone. When you have a hammer like Ezekiel Elliott, it can take a lot of pressure off of the quarterback. Huh? When That's not the only thing that they miss. These guys have the personnel to go out and get guys open. 
We're talking about Brandon Cooks and C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup. These guys aren't slouches, but what they are missing is a tight end in the red zone. They need that body presence to give them that mismatch. And the only guy out there right now that I feel like they could go get would be to go trade for Kyle Pitts in Atlanta. And I don't know Ooh. what they're going to have to give wow. up to get him. Oh, wow. I don't know what they're going to have to give up to wow. I was wondering where I saw that from. That Jason Witten type that they're missing right now to create those mismatches in the red zone. Your job Excellent work, RG3. We're, we're work, so proud. RG3. Yeah, Great work. Excellent work. Um, Ryan, I will let you have the first go at this. What are your first initial thoughts from listening to RG3 on Get Up ESPN with Mike Greenberg? Well, I'll just read the tweet he put out as well, and then I'll debunk it. First off, tell me you didn't watch the Cowboys game without telling me you didn't watch the Cowboys game. So Zeke was their hammer. Last year he had 12 rushing touchdowns, and the Cowboys had the number one red zone offense in the NFL. Cowboys are three for 11 in touchdowns in the red zone the last two weeks. We're one for five on Sunday. So with or without these guys, they miss Zeke more than Kellen Moore. So I'm just going to go ahead and start with this. Um, The Cowboys, when they got in the red zone, almost all of their first and goals were from the 10. And I will – Pull out my other chart that I have up here or on my phone. Go ahead. You pull out the chart now. The Cowboys on first down ran the ball from the 10 100% of the time. So you think there's any type of uh, predictability there? A little bit. 100% first and goal, we ran the ball. We're on the 10 yard line. If we're on the 10 yard line, that's just almost a waste of a down. You want to be running on first and goal like inside the five, inside the maybe even the six-yard line, gets you closer to kind of set you up for your different play calls. The Cowboys ran every time on first and 10. So we're already behind the chains, and usually you would sometimes run on first and 10. That's okay. I don't have a problem with running first and 10. Personally, I like to mix it up and get like a pass play in there. But if you run on first and 10 on the 10-yard line, all you're doing is squeezing – the box and then now you have no room to throw the football so why not try a first down pass since we're doing these underneath routes why don't you try that but going back to what he said about zeke on sunday the cowboys were five for five in short yardage runs they were they're better in third and fourth and short than they were with zeke last year statistically and then Going even farther back, we had three out of our five offensive linemen missing. So to to say that it would give time for Dak, in that situation, it's not going to give time for Dak. What we're running in terms of pass plays on the goal line is we're running rollouts that if you go watch the film, CeeDee Lamb is covered by two people. Jake Ferguson is covered by two people. And then you got a guy in the flat, Michael Gallup, that is covered by two people. So Dak has nowhere to throw the football. So at that point... You know, why are we running rollouts that flood zones where you don't have the whole length of the field to to run those those kind of plays? You want to be running stick plays or option plays where the tight ends running an option where he's got to read the zone. Yeah, not and, triple option. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not that option not they called it. Not the option they called it on Sunday, that's for sure. Yes. And I, yeah. now the only thing I won't argue against that is like using Zeke or Dak's legs. Like I'm I'm all for that. But in that situation, when you're playing the Cardinals, you don't have to use uh, you don't have to use Dak's legs. You just need to get him a good play call that will get us in the end zone. And the Cowboys have yet to do that. This isn't a 
personnel issue of something that we're missing Kyle Pitts, who, by the way, only has three touchdowns in his career. He's not a red zone threat. He just hasn't been utilized correctly on the Falcons. <laughs> but, like, this isn't a personnel issue. This is a play-calling issue. And, a, and, and the only personal issue we have is we've yet to see the starting line that everybody talks about, Zach Morton, Tyron Smith, Tyler Smith, uh, Yadish, and – Terrence Steele. We've yet to see those five guys play together since 2021. Well, we don't want to spoil every our entire Cowboys segment. Uh, no, no, no. I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. in terms of what he is saying, it's it's false. We have a yeah. guy, two guys that can run that kind of play that are efficient in that. Yeah, it's not a personnel issue; it's a play calling issue. And I 100% agree. And I'll give my thoughts. I want to give Hunter a chance to respond to the shadow of the script. Um, your thoughts on the entire thing, Zeke, you know, everything that goes with it in between the Kyle Pitts, what you got? Well, it's easy to say for RG3 after Zeke had a good week and he had 85 yards rushing this week. And the thing about it was Tony Pollard this year has 62 carries, 264 yards, two touchdowns, averaging four yards a carry. And that's primarily being a three down back. It's kind of one of the concerns that, all of us had about Tony Pollard coming into the year and go to Ryan's point. It's, you know, they're running it on first down. And not only that, they have a guy like Hunter Lepke who actually had a few touches this last game. And he was, you know, bulldozing, you know, he's a, if we really need to get some goal line runs in, we have Hunter Lepke who is basically a white Zeke. If you think about it, they're about 260 <laughs> pounds each. And Correct, the Kyle yeah. Pitts, the Kyle Pitts thing, I personally would like, have someone like Kyle Pitts just to be like, oh, we have Kyle Pitts, but do we need him? Like uh, RG3 says, we do not. Uh, Jake Ferguson, he's been playing, you know, he hasn't had too many of the, what's it called, like big plays that we talked about before the season, but he's still serviceable. And I don't, I don't know what the Cowboys would have to give up to get someone like Kyle Pitts. If it's a fifth round pick, I'll, okay, go ahead. Let's get him. Right. But if it's like anything like a third, a second, like, he didn't. He wouldn't really do anything for this Cowboys team, and it was someone like Zeke. Miss you, Zeke. I love you, but Cowboys do not need you. We're running the ball perfectly fine. It's it's a play calling in the red zone to begin with. I don't know if Zeke was there, I think the play calling would be the same, especially with the whole new coach and what they're doing. So yeah, but Tony Pollard has been. <clears throat> he's good enough to where he can get those goal line runs it's just the point is they're not getting to giving him the ball inside the five yeah and all good points there and i think you hit it on the nail with the tony pollard you know 62 carries thing and you know we talked about uh previously um what i think of the issue is that we were questioning whether or not tony pollard can be a full workhorse back could be a three down back and he had his comments saying you can feed me as much as you want which is kind of the same as we talked about Zeke and P Tony Pollard has the most carries, uh, more carries than Zeke has ever had in his first three seasons, which I think goes to say that Jerry Jones likes when he has a running back and, you know, he, he likes that the running back gets the touches and gets the ball. Does it work? I don't know. Are we running Pollard into the ground? Maybe after an Achilles injury or a high ankle sprain. But one of the things I thought was interesting that it makes no sense to me about the Kyle Pitts thing is that Jake Ferguson has eight targets, I believe, around eight targets in the red zone, and that is more than CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, and Brandon Cooks combined in the red zone. 
why if for some for a tight end like Kyle Pitts who has never has only caught three what is it three touchdown passes in two or three seasons or whatever who has poor red zone efficiency you can argue quarterback play whatever what the hell would be the difference in getting Kyle Pitts versus an ups, high upside cheap cheap guy like Jake Ferguson you know and, and who's a project so I just it the comments don't make much sense to me and obviously a guy like Zeke who's you know who I've said in the past has looked good weeks one through four every year, a lot like Russell Wilson. He cooks for the first four weeks, and then he just shatters. But Zeke, one through four, gets hurt, tears his PCL, you know, and it, and it's just over. You know, he's not the same back. Yeah, he's a full, complete back, but he, he just does he can't play that full season anymore. He's been running to the ground. Um, so, yeah, I don't think those were very smart comments. Obviously, I think it was worth shattering the script, you know, on those comments. Um, but we'll transition into the NFL recap, and we'll start with our first game. You know, obviously the Thursday night football game, Giants versus the 49ers. 49ers came out on top of this one, 30 to 12. This wasn't really a game. Uh, the Giants were without, D, uh, I'm sorry, Saquon Barkley. Um, but we got a couple highlights. Um, anything that y'all wanted? To, what, are, what were your thoughts on this game? You know, Hunter, I'll start with you this time. Um, you know, just talk about miss, them missing Saquon, you know, any, any type of uh, um, mishaps or interesting inquiries you thought out of this game. Well, it was already going to be a complete mismatch on paper and seeing how the Giants were against the Cowboys and even the Cardinals. You know, even though they didn't have Saquon Barkley, they also didn't have Andrew Thomas and Ben Bretson. So that's already two offensive linemen out for the game going against this notorious defensive line led by Bosa. And then, yeah, they're <clears throat> sorry. Yeah, even though the Niners were missing Ayuk, you can throw Ronald McDonald in that system, and it's probably going to work out. You know, it, you don't, you don't, you don't need to be full of at full strength to be in the system. You obviously seen it with quarterback play. Debo missing games last year. This team does not skip a beat. You can throw anybody in that system, and C Mac. 12 straight games with a touchdown in the games he's played. He's probably going to be a runner-up for Offensive Player of the Year and also with having – he's probably going to lead the league in yards per carry. He's averaging about five yards a carry right now, obviously, and he's probably going to lead the league in rushing as well. But, yeah, just a complete, you know, dismantle. The Giants kept it a game for about two and a half, three quarters. It was a tight game, and then – by the fourth quarter, Daniel Jones is, you know, not doing his thing. He can't he can't throw the ball downfield. Like you have two completions for 137 yards. That's like six yards. <clears throat> that's like six yards a catch. And you know, you're not yeah. if you don't have your if you don't have two starting linemen, especially going against a defensive line like that, it's already going to be tough. You saw the Cowboys, you know, later with the Cardinals game, but just going against the 49ers and not having Saquon, your best weapon, you're not going to do anything. And like you said, the Debo is going to be – the Debo is the white Taysom Hill or the the black Taysom Hill basically. And he, <laughs> showed, he, he showed that he's going to catch everything fine. He did have that 27-yard touchdown catch, which was a nice route, but that's not who Debo is. And 49ers, best team in the league right now, so – I want to let the record state that that is not the first time that that has been said. Um, and obviously, and it was a, a semi-troll, but um, that could always pull out the passing charts. 
um, or the the reception charts for Debo, but there's too many to count. And you know, upon request, I can always provide those. But Ryan, what were your thoughts on the 49ers uh, Giants game following uh, Hunter's comments? Well, I think Hunter hit it right on the head. This was a mismatch on paper. I'm actually pulling up Debo's chart right now, and I mean, everything he catches is like close to the line of scrimmage. He actually had 12 targets in the game. But, you know, this is what I've been saying about the Giants for a while now. They're, they're a type of team, and even before the season started, everybody was claiming they're very good. They were going to be good, and their defense was going to get better and all of that. But, I mean, they're the type of team that um, if they get behind 14 points, they are not going to be able – they don't have the firepower in offense. They don't have the weapons – for Daniel Jones, unfortunately, to, to keep up with those kind of plays. They thought getting Darius Slayton or Slayton, um, <laughs> Darius Slayton in the game would get him some type of, you know, help. He hasn't been good for two years. Darren Waller being out there, he got seven targets and only caught three balls. They're playing the, uh, the best team in the league. I mean, the, the, the 49ers are by far the best team in the league. And, um, it just was a mismatch on paper. Following up with McCaffrey, I mean, like like what Hunter said. I mean, this guy just is unbelievable. If uh, Fun fact, and I was actually going to say this during the two-minute drill, but if you put $100 on McCaffrey touchdowns 13 games ago and rolled it every single – like anytime touchdown and rolled it every single time, you would have $4,000 in your pocket right now. You would, guys, you would have enough to bag a Miami chick. That's yeah, how much like, you would have. He's – He's unbelievable. So, I mean, the Niners just kind of proved that they could play, uh, you know, outplay their opponent again. And, you know, they didn't beat them like Cowboys did, but they beat them in a different way where they just kind of slowly and methodically took care of the game. And I mean, this game, uh, I, I stopped watching them like the fourth quarter. I mean, you know, by that time, you could just tell the Giants were, were cooked. And without Saquon Barkley, man, they just don't have a lot of efficiency going in. If you get to them with pass rush, you know, they're in trouble. So no shock yeah. here, 49ers 30, Giants 12. Yeah, I think it I think it speaks a little bit to Daniel Jones that they struggled without Saquon Barkley, but it also goes to show how valuable alone um, an effective running back can be for any offense, especially one that might be centered around run first, run developing a pass type offense. Um, you know, the one person that I think has been overhyped a little bit, I think they need to come down to earth a little bit, but also give some respect is Brock Purdy, you know, talking about how he's going to be, I think, uh, Tony Gonzalez, Tony Gonzalez did say he was going to be a top five quarterback in the next two years. I think they need, I think he needs to kind of review his comments a little bit. And just like y'all mentioned, every quarterback that's in that system has thrived and has won games and has, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo made a Super Bowl with this with this offensive scheme, Sam Darnold would cook with it. You know, like Hunter said, Ronald McDonald would cook with this. And that, that is not a bad thing to have. I mean, holy damn. Like I would love to have a system where the quarterback never screws up. Um, but you know, I, what I've noticed about Brock Purdy is he has God on his side. He gets away with a lot of interceptions. Um, and he, yet he, he still is a pretty efficient quarterback, but he doesn't have to do much. He doesn't, doesn't, I mean, honestly, it's, you're running swings, slants, Picks and uh, bootlegs pretty much all day, plus a five-yard option route to George Kittle, who gets 38,000 yards after the catch. I mean, that's just the way their offense is built, and that's no disrespect. They, they execute it perfectly. 
you know, and then lastly for the Giants, and I think a great point is that they cannot play from behind. Um, and I think it also is a testimony to the start of their schedule. I mean, how unlucky is it to go play in Dallas, uh, or I'm sorry, in the rain, um, not in Dallas, um, the opening week, and then have it followed up two weeks later by playing the 49ers <laughs> uh, in San Francisco on Thursday night, not a Sunday. I just think that's a bad beat, but um, anyways. Yeah, one note I'll, I'll add to what you just said is it's it's still shocking to me how well the 49ers can hide a quarterback in, in their system. And that's what irritates me about people when they talk about Brock Purdy. It's like, yeah, like he is being efficient. Like in this game, he was 25 of 37, 310 yards, two touchdowns with a QBR of 58.3. Like that's good numbers, but it's just that system. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, who's leading the NFL right now with six interceptions, and if you watch the Raiders – He's not doing anything special. But when he played for the 49ers, like everybody was like, oh my God, Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh my God, look at him. He's pretty good. He went to the Super Bowl. It's like they're the only system in the NFL that you can just throw a quarterback in there and all of a sudden it's it's seamless. And, you know, props to Shanahan on that because that's a really hard thing to do and the most important piece of your football team. And it helps when you have a top three defense to complement it. Yeah, um, and the highest paid running back, and the <laughs> highest paid tight end, and the highest paid left tackle, and the highest paid defensive end. Yeah. Like that, that, I don't know how much longer that's going to last. Well, but, I mean, they're, they're a good football team. It's so funny though, because even if Purdy win, like I would, if I was Purdy, I'd rather win a Super Bowl than be a top five quarterback, because I think he kind of, I don't, I don't know, psychological thinking, but if he thinks that he can be a top five quarterback just because he won a Super Bowl or he puts up efficient numbers. Like you said, go back to Jimmy G. You know, you could probably throw Sam Bradford in there, and Sam Bradford would probably, you know, they'd be like, oh, my gosh, was New York using him wrong? Maybe. Yeah. But the thing was, it's some You put Jimmy G in there, rush the ball eight times in the NFC Championship game, and then make it to a Super Bowl. And but push comes to sub. That team, I'm not even sure that team is built to play from behind with a quarterback that's – He's an, he's not a bad quarterback, but he's really more average than anything. So he's gonna have to, you know, you need him to throw probably like forty times a game to win a game. There's a difference between throwing forty times and you're ahead the whole time than playing from behind. I just don't see them doing it. Yeah, and let's transition into the the Miami versus Denver game. No, this is not a typo. Miami defeats Russell, Russ, Gus, Trust, Wilson, seventy to twenty. Broncos country, let's ride. <laughs> Any first thoughts to this game? Um, Ryan, I'll let you start off. Uh, actually, you know what? I want to start this thing off because yeah, say, my I'll boy. Say, you, yeah, you yeah, started off. You I want to start off. this thing off because my boy Devon A-Chain ran for over 200 yards and four tutties and complimented Raheem Mostert uh, with another four touchdowns with a combined eight. And that's not all. um so shout out to my boy a chain i was right you know which wasn't a very hard thing to be right about but it always looks worse when you're an a&m fan saying that a&m player is going to be the the bomb but uh props to hunter he said it first and he said it on this podcast as well but it was super exciting to watch them play and i don't know why in the world they left russell wilson 
in down 50. I mean, it might have been celebrity punishment. Sierra or Ciara might have made a call down to the field to say, put my husband back on the field. Put my damn husband back on the damn field. I don't know. But what an atrocious performance. That is the fact that Sean Payton had sass after the game to the reporters. What did you just say? What did you just say? You got beat by 50 in a professional football league. You got beat by Alabama in your Chattanooga. That's what happened. That's crazy. You got beat by Tua Tagovailoa. But hey, Tua Tua turned the ball over. Tua turned the ball over. But hey, he's he's the only quarterback that has really wowed through the first three weeks. Which his by the way, his numbers through the first three weeks are exactly the same as they were last year, stat by stat. It's crazy. But I want to know what you guys' thoughts on the game as well. So uh, uh, Ryan, I'll let you go. Then Hunter, I'll let you go next. Well, you want me to start with the Dolphins or the Broncos? Let's hear. I want to hear. I want to hear. I want to hear Russ. I want to hear Broncos. Yeah, I want to hear Russ. Oh, trust right. Gus. Bus. My my first comment on this is the Broncos team is fried. They're done. This is <laughs> this is just. There's no coming back from this. You're zero and three. You just got beat seventy to twenty. And I mean, everybody thought that hiring Sean Payton and getting rid of Nathaniel Hackett would fix this team. And it did nothing to help this team. Um, I think your real problem is Russell Wilson. I've never seen anybody who was like so liked in Seattle and in his early days. And everybody was like, you know, why hasn't this guy won an MVP yet? And, you know, Super Bowl winner. And I mean, towards the end in, in Seattle, he started losing his mind. He started getting, you know, like I've said it before, doctor's notes when he broke his thumb that one year to say like he got a doctor to write about, Oh, uh, this is the fastest recovery I've ever seen anybody come back from this. Do it. Like, he's got Deadpool blood. Yeah. yeah. And he's, and then they were talking about like how he had the no, he was doing the no huddle offense by himself out there in pregames, like call it on the ground, talking to nobody doing the, you know, calling a play and breaking the huddle by himself, throwing to nobody running down the field, calling another play. Like it was just like, he was shadow boxing. And then, yeah, when he came back to Seattle um, out of Denver, he was in the middle of the field, just like taking it all in like he's Jesus Christ. <laughs> but I mean, I've never seen a guy like Russell Wilson just go from being one of the most liked quarterbacks in the NFL to just being like one of the most despised. I can't stand this guy. I mean, even the there's guys last year that were getting in his face on the sidelines. I mean, he's just like, <laughs> the Melvin Gordon one. <laughs> yes. Where like people are looking at him or like the defense is coming off the field and he's copping them up. They're down by 30. And one of the defensive uh, tackles like grabs his face mask right in front of the head coach and is like screaming at him. And Russell Wilson just like puts his head down like a sad dog. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> he's he looks like he just uh, peed his pants a little bit, but I mean, the, you're right. I'm sorry. To get back on track, the Broncos are just bad, man. They they have everybody thought they'd be like a, a remade team, and they're just they're bad. They should say sorry to Nathaniel Hackett. He was coaching this team better. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they move on from Russell Wilson too, just because Sean Payton doesn't even like him. And that's very evident. Like Sean Payton's told him, like, quit the BS, like, quit being a stupid quarterback, quit kissing babies, just get out there and play football. So, yeah, you move yeah. out of your own office in, yeah. in the building or whatever it was. Yeah, that's the other thing he had was he had his own little office. Out. And in order for people to talk to him, they had to call his agent to like set up an appointment. 
Like your own teammate had to set up an appointment to talk to you. I mean, it's just, I've never seen so many so self-consumed. But yeah, anyway, Hunter. Uh, yeah, Hunter, you go, and then I'll talk about the Dolphin side. Well, I just want to say one thing. You got to keep Russell Wilson in the game because Caleb Williams, you are a Denver Bronco. <laughs> you get Caleb Williams, which I didn't I didn't think about it being a possibility until I saw how much dog shit the Broncos were. And you know, Russ, they're like they're like, "Okay, just give Sean Payton a chance to try to fix this team. Maybe Nathaniel Hackett is a problem like you said." And there's just no progress being made whatsoever. Russ can't throw in the middle of the field. So then Marvin Mims, I don't know if y'all seen him, but he's been spectacular in the first three games for a rookie wide receiver. That is a that is a dog right there. Him and Caleb Williams, they played together at Oklahoma in that one year that Caleb Williams was there. Get that connection back, and you're also getting someone like Caleb Williams who's going to possibly be, be one of the all-time greats, supposedly. And then with the running backs for the Dolphins, you know, when you get when you have 31 carries together, 285 yards and five TDs, that's nine yards a carry. The most explosive and fastest team we've probably ever seen. Might be the new greatest show on turf. And shout out to Tua, man. You know, I'm not the biggest Tua guy, but, you know, 23 of 26, 309 yards, four touchdowns, no waddle. You still have Reek. I mean, Tua's leading the front, the front way to MVP right now. But, you know, the same thing happened last year, and he started to have a little concussion problems. He's learned to kind of not be a magnet to the football field anymore. His head is kind of, you know, learning to brace itself. And, you know, Russ County is what they call it over there in, in old Denver. And, yeah, they just they need to blow that experiment up. Sean Payton, you know, he took a couple years off. Maybe he's a little rusty, but... Russell Wilson's been playing football, and it hasn't been great football. So I'm excited to see this chart coming up soon because, yeah, Caleb yeah. Williams, you are a Denver Bronco. Last comment on the Broncos, and I'll let Ryan finish with the Miami Dolphins, is that have you all ever noticed that Russell Wilson began to suck whenever he lost Legion of Boom? It is almost like that having an elite defense does you wonders. So hopefully it does wonders for some other people as well. Ryan. Yeah. I mean, I'll make it short and sweet at the Dolphins. This team is, uh, I'm almost ready to argue that they're the best team in the NFL and by far the fastest. I mean, there is no stopping this offense. I mean, Tyreek Hill had 11 targets, nine receptions for 157 yards, I mean, they ran 71 plays and scored 70 points. So they were getting a point per play, and I think they were averaging nine yards per play, which is unbelievable. Uh, you already touched on Devon A-Chain, or as Jerry likes to call him, A-Chain 47. A-Chain 47, baby. I've never I, – that is, that is a, that's a cool nickname. That's, that's, that's impressive. Good one. I, I forgot about it. It totally slipped my mind. That's Thank you. Good looks. Yeah, I mean, they're just – Rooks looks. They are, they're hard to stop, man. I mean, and the, the shout out to Tua though. Tua, like, exactly what uh, Hunter was just saying. Like Tua last year in this in this space when he was healthy was really showing out, and I, you can tell that him and Mike McDaniel have a good relationship, and a lot of coaches like or a lot of players like that young coaching 
stuff that they got going on there. And I mean, at this point, Mike McDaniel is just playing with people. I mean, he, it's literally like there's a joke that was going around on Twitter that there was a guy in the stands that was dressed like him. And they oh, were, the joke was like, he was standing there like, all right, who's on your fantasy team? Who do you want to score? All right, hold on. I got you. Like, <laughs> it was unbelievable. But I mean, A-Chain played really well. And Rasheem Mostert is a very silent but deadly running back. I mean, he's 30 years old. He didn't play uh, two to three years into his uh, into his NFL career. He finally made the team on uh, one of the teams in, or on the Dolphins. And he had 13 attempts, 82 yards, and three touchdowns. So, I mean... That, that team is full of speed. They're going to be hard to stop for, for any defense. So I would like to see them play, um, you know, like when they play the Bills, which I think is coming up, that's going to be a really, really good matchup. They're playing They're playing at noon on this Sunday, and everyone's like, this is criminal for this game to be a noon game. Oh, yeah. yeah which I you, totally would, you would think, you know, I, I get it, like last year not having them for like the 325 games. But then you kind of, you know, you saw them last year, and you're like, okay, we should probably make this like, a game of the week, but instead, I don't know what time the Cowboys play. They'll probably make the Zeke return game of the week. Like, no, guess who we get to watch on Sunday Night Football? Zach Wilson. That's who we get to watch. Oh, the Chiefs and the Chiefs and Jets. Yeah, it's um, that's gonna be a blowout. That's gonna be hmm, effing fantastic. But I before the season too, when we were talking about the Cowboys uh, schedule, and even I was looking at tickets, and I was like, hmm, what game? I was like, which games do I really want to go to? Try to go to, and it was like. Eagles, Cowboys, December tenth, and then they play the Dolphins. Then they play the Dolphins on uh, Christmas, and I was like, "Oh, I was like, I want to go to that game. I want to watch like Tyree killing them, just that fast-paced offense in person." And it's in Miami, and I was like, "Yeah, we're not stopping them." That was even with Trayvon Diggs, so <laughs> I can't imagine what's gonna happen. It might be a little. I don't know. We we might not be able to do the pod. Uh, after that Dolphins game, it might be. A little, I don't know. Little, We're here uh, now. Yeah, We're here little, now. Uh, might be a. Uh, well, let's. I want to talk a, very briefly about the, the Houston game and the Jag Houston versus Jaguars game. The Houston won thirty-seven to seventeen. I just want to talk about you know the quarterback play and maybe some couple highlights on the the Texans side of the ball offensively. You know, how did y'all think Stroud looked um, compared to Trevor Lawrence? You think, you know, just Stroud, his his first three games as a rookie, you know, having the most pass attempts through three games without an interception for a rookie. You know, he's got a receiving core like Tank Dell, Nico, and Mechie. You know, they're a scrappy duo. Um, Hunter, I'll let you start off on this one. Um, and then, Ryan, you can follow and I'll finish. Follow, pause. Well, Congrats to Coach uh, D'Amico Ryan for his first win as an NFL head coach. He, um, you know, we 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 had big hopes for him coming from San Francisco uh, last year, going back to a team he played for, and they admire him there. And then Stroud, you know, he's been playing exceptionally well, and we looked at the chart today, especially with um, he's being 52 third down attempts, and his completion percentage, he doesn't have any interceptions throwing the ball i think he threw the ball 47 times his first game and my agenda for t-law you know hasn't been all too good so far this year you know calvin ridley and other wide receivers are struggling a little bit i know calvin ridley was a big hope for me he dropped a 30 yard touchdown on sunday he also had like three other drops to kind of go with it yeah uh texans you know i i still think they'll win five five games maybe six I think the Jags will figure it out. 
but I, it's not too concerning yet. But also, my agenda right now is going. <laughs> but it's okay because long season. It's a long season. We're gonna take it to the chin. No homo. And Tank Dell, he looks like he's gonna be a <clears throat> serviceable wide receiver in the league. I wanted him to be a Cowboys legend. I, he was in all my mocks. But you know, we got Brandon Cooks. Tank Dell, he looked good. He had uh, five catches, 145 yards, one touchdown. If he can just keep stuff up, if he can keep doing that, that's great. But, you know, it showed the kind of glimpses of what Tank Dell can be in this league, and especially for a franchise like Houston who needs a, needs a lot of help. But it's good that they got a dub for Coach Ryans, and congrats to him. Yeah, good points. Ryan? Yeah, I mean, the only notes I have on this one is that C.J. Stroud seems to be playing very well. Um, I think he actually broke – the most attempts by a rookie without interception. I, I think that was actually held by Dak in 2016. But uh, he's playing really well. That's This is actually going to be the best QB to come out of Ohio State. I doubted him because I've always said that when you play at Ohio State, the system is meant to just get wide receivers wide open. And I think that's why you see problems with Justin Fields is he's used to throwing to just receivers with separation of five yards or more in the NFL that just doesn't happen. But C.J. Stroud is showing – day in and day out, that he might be the uh, best rookie quarterback taken from this draft. Um, Tank Dell, I mean, this is that's someone that we have in a lot of our mocks when we came out, but, I mean, he had five receptions, 145 yards, and a touchdown. His longest was a 70-yard uh, bomb, and he had seven targets. And then, you know, Nico Collins has been there too. So they, they've got some, they got some decent weapons that are young and kind of under the radar, and that's good. Um, one of the guys I was high on for the Texans was Damian Pierce. He's still struggling a little bit. Yeah, but that's that's more because his O line's you know pretty battered, pretty pretty down. So once they get healthy, I expect him to get rolling again. And then but wait, the I thought guy, Dalton Schultz was a blocking tight end. That reminds nice. me who who has a, who has a clip of Dalton Schultz where Stroud you know evades pressure, rolls out right, throws a. Dots is Dalton Schultz, which, of course, it's him going to the outside. I've been saying for years, do not throw Dalton Schultz anything towards the sideline. Straight <laughs> through his hands. I'm like, bro, Dalton Schultz, you cannot leave inside the hash markers in the middle of the field. You get anywhere past that, you're probably not catching the ball. And yeah, you're toast. He, he, yeah. I, I, I yeah. think it just goes back to say that, um, yeah, so Dalton Schultz had three targets, one reception for nine yards. This just goes back to what? Uh, me and Jared have been saying for a while is Dak is a tight end elevator. You just throw a tight end out there. He's going to get him the football. So, but, you know, moving on to the Jags, T-Law mid performance, very mid. Um, I, I'm with Hunter on this. I, I think that he, I was really looking forward to him playing and balling out, but you know, you've only got, you had seven targets to Calvin Ridley and he only had three catches. That's pretty tough. Um, I think that's the way to stop their offense, which is just shut down Calvin Ridley. He dropped and, four of those too, which was crazy. He dropped four. Or it was it was three or four receptions. He was one of them was a thirty yard touchdown, just a dot on the outside. He's he struggled. Well, there. he took the I, under. He took the under on his own receptions. That's, that's why. right. But he bet the under. <laughs> Actually, yeah. he knew that he knew that the kids' picks had Calvin Ridley included in them. So he was like, ah, no, I know that was week one, but. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I just, when I was watching, I didn't really get to see most of the game, but just 
the last two weeks, they haven't been able to really get the ball connected with uh, Calvin Ridley. Um, and Trevor Lawrence in the past has struggled against the Texans, and he struggled once again. And But we, we were starting to study some third down passing efficiency, and we saw that Dak was number one. But not too far behind at number seven was C.J. Stroud with more attempts than anybody on third down. So for him to be at seventh, a top ten, as a rookie with the most third down opportunities – is highly impressive, especially for a franchise, you know, that was meant to struggle this year. So props to CJ Stroud, um, long season for Trevor Lawrence. I'm sure they'll get it together. Um, he just needs to cut the hair. He's not Samson, <laughs> but, uh, but let's transition into, um, our final game or our final two games. And then we'll get to our Sunday night football game. I just want to talk about the Taylor Swift touchdown here with the chiefs and bears chiefs, 40, 41 bears, 10, Bears are the worst team in football. Are we shipping Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey here? Or <laughs> I don't care. Well, my favorite part about this game is Justin Fields says, screw it, I'm going to go out there and play and finish this with less than uh, 150 total yards, less than 100 passing yards, and 11 carries, 47 yards. Yeah, you cook, well, the brother. Big, the biggest headline was, you know, Travis Kelsey got to leave with Taylor Swift, and he scored a touchdown. I'm over here playing Rocket League with a 400 ping. So, I mean, his life is way better than mine. You know, the I got a couple of stats here. We got Justin Fields, 11-22, 99 yards. Ugh, sucks. Anyway, and then uh, Mahomes, <laughs> Mahomes tweaked his ankle a little bit, 24-33, 272, three tubs. You already know. And then Kelsey, you know, his stats were one touchdown, one girlfriend, phenomenal game, and, you know – all his top five selling jersey now, those Swifties, they roll deep. It's like a cult. And I'm with Ryan, too. I really don't care. And yeah. Med Guy, you know, Med Guy's a little out right now. He he said he spoke to Taylor Swift, allegedly. <laughs> uh, maybe why he's not on the pod tonight. But I'm just, I'm just, re- I'm just telling y'all the information the Med Guy told me. He said he's that's right. Yeah. Her. I don't know. If y'all want to, you go ask him. But. That's not that's not me. That's not that's not my part of the job. <laughs> Can either confirm or deny those statements about Cuzzo meeting uh meeting Taylor Swift. Uh, Ryan allegedly allegedly meeting Taylor Swift. Um Ryan, any quick comments before we transition? No, just if we're gonna play the social media game, um I thought it was really funny because it was the most watched game. Uh, this Sunday, and that's definitely because all the Swifties that don't know football were just trying to see Taylor Swift on their TV. That that thing is a cult. Yeah, that's that, cult. that is it is it is disgusting. She could tell them to go storm the Capitol, and they're storming the Capitol. Yeah, I would argue Taylor are. Swift. I would argue Taylor Swift is more influential than uh, than Donald Trump. And I and I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, not going. I mean, I saw them trying to compare like zodiac signs for Travis Kelsey's birthday, so it was just ridiculous. But not much to say here. This was expected, and like I said, I don't really care for the Chiefs. Starters were out super fast. This was literally like the other social media aspect is this is what people are saying. This is like the game that you invite your new girlfriend to to watch you ball out. So that's what the Chiefs did. Um, the Bears they absolutely suck. I will definitely say this could all of the social media influence they had throughout the last, you know, 
last couple of months about how they were going to revamp Justin Fields and, you know, new coach, we're going to be so good. And they got to be the worst team in the NFL. They have the potential to have first and second round picks because they have um, the first, or sorry, first overall and second overall pick this year because they have the Panthers and the Panthers aren't good either. So they have the potential to be so bad that they get the first and second pick in the next year's NFL draft. So they had the potential to be so bad to be so good. Yes. <laughs> Justin Fields is horrible. They need to get him off the field and just focus on the rebuild. I mean, he is a social media QB that has shown you time and time again that he cannot throw the football. He is just – he cannot see the field. It's unbelievable how bad he is at playing quarterback. And I don't know how – that it's going back to what I said about Ohio State. It's like they just scheme people open, and people fall for it time and time again – that these quarterbacks are so good. But you go watch Ohio State when they play like Penn State or all these other Big Ten teams that aren't that good. I mean, there's like Marvin Harrison Jr. is wide open because the Ohio State receivers are actually good. And then you watch the quarterbacks in the NFL, they can't do anything. So the only one that's able to break that so far, it's very early in his career, is C.J. Stroud. So, I mean, Justin Fields is horrible. He just needs to he needs to go on Madden and post a video of him changing his position on men to running back and just being like, I am now a running back. Please sign me. So, <laughs> it's bad. Yeah, Terrell, Pryor, can... Terrell Pryor incoming Justin Fields, Chicago, yeah. they where quarterbacks to do, go to die. They need to do oh. where like Braxton Miller did and just be like, uh, yeah, my shoulder hurts. So I'm now a running or I'm now a receiver. When he yeah. played for Ohio State. Yeah, exactly. See, Travis yeah, Kelsey, Justin Fields. Yeah. yeah. Travis, well, I would say Travis Kelsey, he wants Taylor Swift. I just want 61 Ping to play some Rocket League. That's all I'm asking for. I'm asking for a Swift girlfriend. I'm just asking for 61 Ping. That's oh, Yeah, I was confused. Way. I was confused because I thought I when I heard Kelsey and Swift, I was thinking Jason Kelsey and DeAndre Swift. But <laughs> wrong team, brother. Wrong team. But uh, also one, thing, yeah. one hold on, one thing that uh Hunter forgot to mention is Kelsey had 69 yards. You can decide if that was on purpose or not. So, all right. I didn't. I was okay. I saw on Twitter about the the Swift and Kelsey thing, like on the Eagles, and I didn't get it until y'all just. That Kelsey finds a blank space. They're like these two. These two are, uh, you know, effing. And I was like, what are they talking about? I was like, what is Twitter talking about? I'm like, is this really real? And, are these uh, people? These are people that have. Yeah. So yeah. I've been stuck in corporate America and I forgot about all the, the jokes that go on in the real world. I think the <laughs> the last thing I'll say about the Bears, and this is kind of so the one thing that Justin Fields could have done to take away the attention from Taylor Swift is kneel for the national anthem. I think if he had done that, <laughs> I think I think it would have distracted everyone from um Taylor Swift's skinny ass anorexic body body. Um yeah, I'm skinny shaming and Justin Fields could have knelt for the anthem and declared he was a running back and that he was oppressed as a – you know, the whole the whole shebang, I just think it would have been quite effective. It would have uh, boosted the ratings as well. Um, all right, well, let's – you know, the Eagles defeat the Bucks 25-11. to 11. Baker Mayfield, I talked about how good he was on third down uh, in the first – through the first two weeks. Um, struggled um, in this game. I'm not sure on third down or not, but uh, DeAndre Swift – He's definitely the Eagles running back one, rushing over, I think, around 130 yards last night. Gainwell's a good compliment. 
AJ Brown and, and Jalen Hurts got their solid connection rolling. Jalen Carter looks for real, although he should be in prison. Um, those are comments from me and the medical guy, but the dude is a convict. He shouldn't be on the field. But it's good to see, I guess, I guess, AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts get their connection rolling again. But uh yeah, I'm excited. I, I got DeAndre Swift in two of my fantasy leagues and having him run around like crazy Zeke leaping um, and Antoine Winfield is uh or Winfield, whatever the hell his name is, um, is a good, a good sight to see. So uh, Eagles win another game the same way they've won the first two games. So <laughs> we're just going to score 25 points or so um, around the first half and then do nothing else. Um, and maybe score one more in the fourth. It's going to maintain. Um, but yeah, y'all's quick thoughts in this game and you'll, and we'll finish off with our Sunday night football projections and then move into the Cowboys. Uh, I mean, Ryan, I'll go ahead and go. I real quick, the Eagles, um, are st- I think they were just trying to prove they could throw the ball in this game. It started raining and they just started like, they were already up, I think like 14 points, but they were really like forcing the ball. Like they were forcing to throw the ball. They were forcing to throw to AJ Brown. So it was instead of just like taking their, their time and just running the ball like they did against the Vikings and just like, you know, pound the other team into submission and get the first down and bleed the clock. They just like were forcing the ball. And that shows in like, that shows in Hurts stats. He had 277 yards, but he threw two picks. Yeah. So um, I'm ready to see the Eagles play like a a good caliber team. But the one thing I'll say about the Eagles, and I know the Cowboys will we'll get there, but the Eagles, there is a way to beat the Eagles. Um, and to me, it's very evident. There just hasn't been a team that can do it yet, which the Vikings almost got them to do it. But the Eagles – if you force them to throw and you force them to get in a situation where they can't throw, their passing offense is still not there. Um, the Bucks were able to get a couple turnovers out of Hurts, but if they can get them into where they're like down 14, where they have to throw, or I just still don't see how Hurts can do that effectively. And it's really showing this year now that they have the new OC. But I mean, that's really all I have on this game. The Bucks are actually not bad um i could see them actually maybe winning the nfc south um the saints are underperforming but the bucks have a good chance and baker mayfield's played pretty good so yeah that's really all i got on this game um eagles should have won this game and and they did so honor well y'all kind of said it swift is finally taking taking the starting running back job in philly and that just goes to show Dan Campbell might be the worst evaluator of running backs in NFL <laughs> coaching history. That man cannot, yes. you know, he, he has Swift last year. You know, he's not playing him. He, Jamal Williams again on the carries. And Swift goes to Philly. You know, he doesn't start right away. But then, you know, last two games, he's over 100 yards rushing, you know, averaging like seven yards a carry. And then you, he has, you know, the Lions have Jamar Gibbs and they're not using him now. Might be a little irritated because I have him on my fantasy team. But yeah, Jalen Hurts and T.O. were firing on all cylinders. You know, T.O., a.k.a. A.J. Brown, had nine catches, 131 yards. The Baker Magic came to a low end. You know, he was playing out of his mind the last two weeks. And then, you know, he went against, you know, bad conditions of weather and going against a Philly team who is still <clears throat> respectable that, you know, they 
<coughs> sorry, that they, you know, he just kind of came back to earth. And Jalen Carter, man, he's leading the league for pass rushing, uh, for defensive tackles, and he's number one in warrants at the moment, too. So, you know, he has what a great steal for the <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> and, you know, watching it every game, you know, it probably comes out once or twice a game. The quarterback sneak for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's Should the most, they ban it? It's the most automatic play in football right now. If it's fourth and one, it's third and one, you know, goal line, they're running it in. The, the play is too – it's the most OP play in the NFL right now. So, you know, Jalen Hurts, 22-37, 1TD. You know, like Ryan said, they're just throwing the ball trying to show it, you know. I don't remember too many games last year where Hurts had to throw over 30 times. And, you know, he's just doing it, looks like, for shits and giggles at this point. And then Baker, you know, with the kind of Baker stat line we're used to, which is 15 to 25, 146, 1 TD. But, uh, yeah, just total mismatch. And Eagles, like you said, we don't – we saw in the last couple of weeks they're not really doing what we thought they were going to do. But they're a team that, you know, the Cowboys are going to have to play week eight or nine – and they're going to have to kind of – Eagles will be ready, and hopefully the Cowboys – but, you know, the Cowboys had struggled last week. So. Yeah, and I think Hurts at the beginning so far this year has not looked himself. I think he has been holding on to the football a little too, too long, um, and he's gotten away with it. But, you know, he's used his speed to evade the pocket and throw it out of bounds and stuff. But when I watch him, I think – that he's holding on to the football too long, but he has that luxury with his incredible offensive line, especially when your right tackle jumps three seconds early every play to kickstart the line of scrimmage, you know, and that's getting way too out of hand. But, you know, I'm a proponent of the QB sneak because if you have somebody like Jalen Hurts who can get you, who squats basically, what does he squat? Like almost a thousand pounds practically. I mean, just, yeah, 600 pounds, like, Dude, you got that and the number one offensive line, and you got three other dudes pushing you from behind. Uh, <laughs> the other dudes, you know, powering from behind with their legs and all that kind of stuff. But uh, <laughs> and it works every time, dude. I don't understand what the problem is. I mean, if you can't stop it, then you know, if if we're gonna nerf the QB sneak, then I don't really want to watch football anymore. I mean, the QB sneak is one of the most gridiron plays out there. So anyway. Those are kind of my short little takeaways. And Baker looked like Baker. Um, Buccaneers team looked like how they should look, basically. But, um, Ryan, any final comments? If not, uh, we can move on to the Sunday night football game between the Steelers and Raiders. We'll just basically just go through projections uh, that we had. Um, the medical guy actually had a couple comments um, as well. So, Ryan, if you want to comment on the game first, and then um, I'll read off medical guy's comments to follow. Uh, mid versus mid. Yeah. <laughs> That's really all I got. The Steelers are really good defense. Kenny Pickett's still struggling. They looked better in this game, though. They did, but the Raiders aren't very good. Um, Devontae Adams finally got something going for the Raiders. But, man. Yeah. I mean, it's these both of these teams, like if they played the Eagles, the Cowboys, anybody like that, Miami, they're getting, they're getting roasted. So, I mean, this is just a mid versus mid game. Yeah, I'm not sure what they saw ahead of the schedule, but uh, the medical guy said that both teams are not very good, intelligent, uh, 
Pittsburgh is coached better. Uh, Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs need out of Las Vegas. The Steelers need to consider drafting a quarterback. This is horrible for my agenda. I don't believe Pickett is him. Najee Harris looks like PCL Zeke. So this goes hand in hand with my take. Um, Kenny Pickett, I had high hopes for him. I don't really know if it's coordinator or him, but he just had his first two touchdown game um, last uh, it's Sunday night. So I don't know. That agenda is not looking good for me, but it's a long season. Um, I just hope he gets over 18 and a half passing touchdowns because I have a, a season bet on him. But uh, yeah, I think Jacob hit it right on the nail. Any closing comments, Hunter? And then we'll I'll I'll break down our uh, predictions. So yeah, Devontae Adams might be the best Sunday wide receiver we ever seen. That man every point. single every single time he scored a touchdown in thirteen straight Sunday night games. This following game, he just had twenty targets, thirteen catches, one hundred seventy-two yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Nevertheless, Jimmy G throws his typical hospital ball every Sunday, and he threw about three of them to Tay against the Steelers. You know, Tay beats the guy in the middle, and here comes Jimmy G just lobbing it up. Yeah, the hospital ball. ball. Yeah, his, he throws, and then there's one on the sideline. Fitzpatrick, I don't know what it is, but for some reason, that dude has a bounty on everybody in the NFL. You know, he's about to spear – uh, Devontae down the sideline. Devontae made a good career choice and was like, yeah, we're not – I'm not going for this ball. I don't – probably went back to her. I was like, Jimmy, quit throwing me the hospital balls. I, I don't want to go to the hospital tonight. He stayed in the game. Uh, Jimmy G was evaluated for a concussion. Uh, after the loss, he had three interceptions. Like these guys said, Kenny Pickett had his first two-touchdown game. I've been kind of hard on Matt Canada the last – you know, two years with the Steelers and you know, he was this, in Northern Canada. Yeah. And this, I guess this game, he looks a lot better coaching, you know, Kenny Pickett looks good. George Pickens, when he plays, he's very smooth, but um, like how you guys started off, it was mid versus mid and Devonte Adams, you know, if he goes to a team that's a contender, you know, be careful. So yeah, but, Jimmy G, quit throwing the hospital balls. Tay, best Sunday night wide receiver we've probably ever seen. And if you're going against Tay on Sunday night football and you're down by a lot, you're probably going to lose. Just heads up, people, that play fantasy. Yeah, Jimmy yeah. G's the best hospital ball thrower of all time. I would still say that, like, out of the older guys, that Devontae Adams is still the best. You know, like, out of the guys yeah. that are, like, 28 and up. I don't know. Keenan really Allen. Keenan Allen made a case. Yeah, Keenan Allen is there too, but I, I would just say uh, out of pure production, like those older guys, you got Michael Thomas, um, Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen. I'm trying to think. Mike Williams, he just tore his ACL. Awesome. Um, I'm just trying to think of older guys that are in the league. How old is Amari Cooper? 28? Amari Cooper's there, 29. 28, 29. And Adam still shows that he's the most dominant, like older vet in the league. Yeah. If you're not uh, talking about younger guys like Lamb, Jetty, Jamar, those Jetty. Guys. Yeah. Well, the, so we only had two predictions for this game. Um, the kid predicted that the Steelers would win 20 to 17. So the kid moves to 3 and 0. And I projected 16 to 13 Raiders. So I moved to 2 and 1. 
Um, not sure what the analysts or the medic guy projected. I don't think they really cared, and I don't blame them. So we'll just move on to the next game um, and recap. I'm sorry, predict the upcoming game, Chiefs versus Jets. Any score projections? Um, Hunter, we'll start with your scoring projections, and then I'll follow. And then uh, Ryan will close. You said predictions for the Sunday night game coming up? Yeah, just the score projections. I got 28-10 Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I've got 27-3 to Chiefs. Damn. I'm going to go – I'm going to say – 31, 31, 10. 31, 10. So nobody's picking the Jets. Nobody wants to, you know, maybe just kind of throw in like a. I'll do it. Like a LaShawn McCoy take. If Aaron Rodgers out there, this game would be good, but this is not a, this is going to be a freaking blowout. Yeah, let me give you all. Yeah, Travis Kelsey should have Swift out for this game too. (laughs) You know, you know, you know, okay. So, well, Joe, you're not predicting a touchdown. Ryan, you and I should have a little side bet for this. What quarter will the Jets score the touchdown? Uh, third if quarter. Any. You say fourth I'm, quarter? Third. I'm going to say third quarter. They're going to get like a lucky Brees Hall run, and then they're going to struggle kind of getting down the field, and then they're going to complete a pass to Garrett Wilson. Everybody's going to be like, oh, my God, Garrett Wilson. And then they're going to score, and it's going to be like – and the Jets have scored. It's 31-7. It's like, all right. The Jets have scored to cut the lead down to 27. <laughs> you know what's funny about that that meme, like the Chris Paul one? Uh, when Marvin Mims took off the touchdown on the kickoff, it was like Marvin Mims with a 99-yard return to cut the lead to 42. And I was like, I looked at it, and it was really 42 points. Like it was, I was like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, yeah. Is, good Lord. But – yeah, okay, so I'm going to go second quarter. We'll have a little side bet, you know, just, okay. All right. Second quarter, Jets scored a touchdown. and I only see two ways. They either come out and score the first drive, and everybody's going to be like, oh, my God, and then the Chiefs go 31 unanswered, or they're going to do that third quarter thing that I just said, or it's like they barely get down the field because they come out with like a halftime, you know, like first 15-play script for halftime. And it somehow works. That's the only way to do it. It's going to come from the two scripted play drives. You have the first yeah. drive, scripted player, the third quarter, scripted. Uh, yeah, they come out the gates. Yeah. yeah, before we get to the next one, I will say it's like it was like last week. It was like the Raiders scored on the first drive against the Bills. It's like 7 0, final score 38 to 7. Bills. It's like, yeah. yeah, you know, you just you get that one touchdown in and then you're kind of just. You know, GG's you fried from there. Yeah. Yeah. You throw you throw out the first ten scripted plays. Everybody's comfortable with that because you've been running all week. And then you get back out there the second time. And the OC's like, uh, HB dive. Uh, <laughs> halfback screen. It's third and fifteen already. Yeah, you didn't call a play the last two downs. Oh, we got two delay yeah. of games in the last five seconds. <laughs> all right, the moment everyone has been waiting for. And it took us a while to get here, but we're here. Cowboys versus Cardinals. Take it to the chin. Tracking the boys segment. 28-16 Cardinals. Cowboys struggle. Let's begin recapping this game. And I want to start specifically with – what do you all want to start with, offense or defense? It's up to you, you guys. defense. Let's start with the defense. Defense. Good with you. Okay. Let's start with the defense. Lots and lots and lots of trouble here. 
I think we had at least – we'll start with the penalties for sure. There was a couple penalties in the Dallas Cowboys in the first half. I think there was like 10, which is a, a record or something. Um, had to be close to that Thanksgiving game we had against uh, the Raiders a couple years back. Parsons looked a little bit out of it. They they completely took him out of the game plan. I mean, they basically made him wrong at every step and point and turn. I mean, and that was it. Just they we looked flat on defense. I, I watching that team go out there after Trayvon Diggs' injury, saying that we coming. You know, we going out there and we we're playing hard as hard as we can to go out and put on that performance is just atrocious. And I, and I can't believe that 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 performance was was followed through. Um, I didn't see a lot of participation from John Way Thomas and Marquise Bell, which confused the hell out of me as they've been instrumental in the run game. We just kind of threw them out of there and let Leighton Van Der Esch, our only white guy on defense, walk around out there like his balls are on fire. Um, I didn't see much of Mozzie Smith. I saw Mozzie Smith in a four-eye. And I saw Michael Parsons in a two-eye, in a two-technique, outside of the in the nose guard position. What the hell are we doing there? Um, our secondary, mid, you know, didn't really get a lot of opportunities because we got so much roasted on the ground by James Conner and Rondale Moore. But, you know, before I continue on, you know, Hunter, I want you to start with the defense, and then we'll transition, and we'll just open debate here. Well... Y'all can chime in at any point because it's, it's you know, it should be a... I think everybody pretty much is on the same page about it. You know, start off the game, Cardinals drive right down the field and they don't stop the first quarter. 185 rushing yards in the first quarter. I think the Cowboys ran about five or six plays. And then the whole time it was, you know, just imagine. you They couldn't stop anybody with a stop sign. That defense was atrocious and I've had high praise and I even said off script about how even though Diggs is hurt you know our defensive line will make up for you know maybe the you know we're not gonna have that ball hawking yeah the pass rush yeah the pass rush is gonna make up for like the Deron Bland if he's a little beat you know we have Micah Parsons D-Law we have Armstrong we have you know Osa all those guys rushing the passer and that's what kind of made the Legion of Boom so good because they had you know, those pass rushers going after them. And it was just from the get-go, the defense did not show up. No. And yeah. I'm not going to get into the offense just yet. Uh, but the only thing I will say is I wish this would probably been a game to where they could have opened up the playbook a little bit more. Yes. and But they didn't. Uh, nevertheless, it doesn't give any, you know, if, the blame needs to go around everywhere. But since I hold the standard of the Cowboys defense to a high one, uh, they deserve a lot of the blame. They're not the only reason, but they just they couldn't stop a James Conner, a Dobbs. You know, Hollywood Brown was getting his touches. You have Rondo Moore taking a 40-yard touchdown run from the backfield. I know he's a 5'7 wide receiver, but, man, it was... Come on, yeah. It was just... And then... Man, it was it was tough to watch the Cardinals score on every the first five possessions. You know, they slowed down a little bit yeah. in the second half, but even in the second half when you know the Cowboys needed a stop on defense, it was nowhere to be found. And it was just a rough 
Sunday night, and as soon as the game was going, as soon as the game's about to be over, you know, the Cowboys haters, they don't start texting you until about, you know, so it's five, guaranteed. So it's like guaranteed five, that it's an L. You know, if it's a guaranteed L in the last five or six minutes of the game, that's when your phone goes, eh, 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 and it's just, you know, oh, this is the Cowboys. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And I tell, I tell people at work, I'm like, you know, I'm so used to people when the Cowboys lose just – as soon as it starts, my phone's buzzing for about two hours straight, and their team could get beat fifty-five to zero, seventy to twenty. But always, as a Cowboys fan, just know: no matter what, when they know it's a guaranteed L, your phone will start getting blown up. And it's—I I mean, I can't really say anything. I don't have really any praise to this defense. You know, they played a good third quarter, but in the fourth quarter, when we needed to stop, they weren't there. You know, if anyone wants to talk shit to me, go ahead because I'm not defending this team this week. So I just call it how I see it. Yeah. I no, mean, yeah, exactly. Ryan? I think to add to that from an analytical approach, um, this defense is really good against teams that drop back and throw the ball. Um, that shows from the Jets game, um, teams like – the Bills or someone like that will play at a high level and beat them because they don't have to worry about these RPO offenses. What I've noticed from watching Dallas the last couple of years is the RPO offense really throws this team for a loop and it takes their defensive ends and kind of makes them have to make decisions where they can't just pin their hair back and rush the passer. So they, you know, they, they struggle a lot with that. And I was a little worried about that with, Joshua Dobbs, he's never been that great of a runner until he started playing for the Cardinals. But what's killing us right now is just the the play calling and the personnel I didn't understand. Like, you know, Jared said it earlier, there's one play, first and 10, we're on the field, first and 10, 40, going in, Cardinals have the ball, and you look at who we've got on the field. So we have Parsons playing a 2i, which is a nose tackle position. Yeah. You have Osa Adigizawa, who is a defensive tackle, who, by the way, has the second most sacks on this team, playing a five. And you have Leighton Vanderesh, our slowest linebacker for Dallas, the slowest linebacker by far, playing a seven outside shade technique to, uh, to cover the boundary. How are you supposed to stop a team with your fastest guy in the middle of the field, your second slowest guy on the field, playing a five, and late advantage playing seven technique. You can't because what they're going to do is they're just going to RPO it, go into the flat, and that's what they did on that exact play, and they got five yards out of it. So, I mean, it's just stuff like that that didn't make any sense. Another worry that I have is, and the reason I've, you know, I was having this conversation with Jared this weekend about Trayvon Diggs. It's like if Trayvon Diggs is a top five, seven cornerback, like everybody says he is, and people will sit there all day and tell you that, oh, he's not important to his team. Oh, he's not like, you know, oh, he had 11, 11 interceptions, but he gave up this many yards. The next year, oh, he gave up no yards, but he didn't have any interceptions. He is an important quarterback, and he's good. What is worrisome to me is, like, one, can Deron Bland step up? But, two, like, you you hired or you went out and you got Stephon Gilmore to play the opposite of Trayvon Diggs. Well, you're asking a 30-year-old Stephon Gilmore who's – legs aren't what they used to be and he's still a really good quarterback but you're asking him to guard guys that are very very fast and Gilmore struggles a lot with speed 
that's going to hurt the Cowboys in the long run. It makes me nervous to play like Miami. It makes me nervous to play the Eagles when you have Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. And it kind of reared its ugly head in this game where Gilmore couldn't keep up speed on a man-to-man defense. So now you got to ask Jordan Lewis and Deron Bland to step up. It was just a bad outing overall, but the defense just really disappointed. I mean, they should have feasted on this Cardinals offense, and, and they didn't. And that was just very, very disappointing to see. And we'll get to the offensive segment, but giving up, you know, what blows my mind is if you pull up the stats, Dallas had 416 yards. They had 34 minutes of possession. Arizona had 400 yards and only 25 minutes of possession. Dallas was more efficient on third down. Yeah. They had more passing. They had more first downs in the game. They had more total yards on less on one less drive. But they, they didn't do anything with it. The thing that killed us was 13 penalties in our defense playing the way they did. I'll get to the yeah. I'll let Jared talk about the defense before I get to the offense. But oh yeah, yeah. I actually I actually have a oh sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I have a, I have a question for you to kind of, you know, talk about this Cowboys defense. Okay. In the years we've had Dan Quinn, and we've always had high praise for him, do you think this is probably the worst coach game that Dan Quinn has had as a Cowboys coach, knowing the circumstances and the team we went against and what he was doing? What are your thoughts on that? I think with the team being as expect the expectations of the of the team going into the season that you know and, and you praise it heavily and so did the rest of us is that we obviously knew that coming out of last year that this defense was the real deal and then going into this year that we got somehow better and and it was true I mean we were lights out coming out the gate and I think that speaks volumes and I don't think week three has anything to do with fatigue I don't think it has anything to do with injuries. And so, without one guy, Trayvon Diggs, who, by the way, I love when everybody says this. They says that he's an overrated cornerback, and I stop people and I always go, who the hell on the Cowboys is overrated? There is not one person in media that overrates a Dallas Cowboys player. Not one person. Dak is heavily persecuted. Trayvon Diggs is heavily persecuted. Micah Parsons gets disrespect. I mean, the media is just now finally starting to give him respect. But anyway, to answer your question, yes. I think for a team that we know for certain the Arizona Cardinals are tanking, or at least we thought, and to come out here and watch Josh Dobbs, you know, running all over our throats and James Conner put up the numbers he's putting against that monster pass rush defensive line edge that we got, Demarcus Lawrence, one of the greatest, you know, run defenders of his time you know, on the edge spot, you know, kudos to Hunter for that take. Yeah, yes, that is unacceptable. But I tell you what, I think, and I think, I don't think, this is not confirmed. This is just a little theory I have. Why is it that the only team that does this in the NFL, that does this exact thing, that loses to the worst team in the NFL when you're supposed to be the best? Why is it always the Dallas Cowboys? Why? I'm not stupid. I'm not stupid. It only it does not happen to the 49ers. It does not happen to the Eagles. It does not it all it is only the Cowboys. I think there's a possibility, it's very slim, that someone's making a call. And whether that be the spread on this game being 12 and a half, and everybody, everybody's taking it. Everybody's taking Dallas Cowboys here, right? All right. Screw that. Cardinals win. 
penalty. Nobody was offsides on the kickoff. And no, I'm not blaming that. I'm just saying that's a conspiracy. There's no excuses here. I just want to say that could be a possibility if we think that the if you want to shout at the script and we think the NFL's rigged. But let's flip it over to the offense. Good question. I want to ask uh, you, Hunter, just about kind of get us started with the red zone offense. Obviously, this was a huge struggle. Um, you know, we talked about it last week, and we've had excuses saying, okay, we've played some pretty good – the Jets' defense is pretty good. We kind of were throwing underneath the defense the entire game. But this game, there's no excuses. We have to get the ball to our playmakers. We can't have our tight end on the, uh, who's more like a project be our top receiving target. We can't be predictable on first down like Ryan mentioned at the beginning of his podcast. Let's talk about the red zone offense for us um, and just kind of give your overall evaluations on what you saw. Well, there's no excuses for the Dallas Cowboys. Having the offensive weapons on the outside of C.D. Lamb, Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, even have Tony Pollard, Jake Ferguson, spending 10 minutes in the red zone and just not getting the ball in there. It's just, it's something that I didn't think this team would have a problem with, but it's, I don't know if it's more of like, they don't want to open up the playbook or maybe they're getting a little too cute. It's just, it's been a, and I was thinking last week, I was like, you know, it's, 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 you know, we're, we're whooping their ass. And then the next week, it's the same thing. We spend 10 minutes, not, not getting the ball into the end zone. And it has nothing to do with RG3 saying, oh, we need Zeke. Because we don't need Zeke for that red zone. We're not throwing the ball enough to our playmakers, CeeDee Lamb, uh, Michael Gallup, who is a jump ball specialist. That is what he's probably known for best. Shout out Michael Gallup. He had a fantastic game. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, he actually showed up a little bit. He looked like vintage he looked, Gallup. He looked, he, looked, he looked vintage. He looked pretty fast. He was making some some catches. You know, we'll, I guess we'll get into the... Um, the call on the fade ball. Yeah. And it yeah. goes to, and then my biggest question too is, you know, we know that it's been known that Dak's orchestrating a lot of the offense nowadays. And it seems like they can move the ball, but when they get in reds, like Dak is like, they're saying, okay, Dak, Mike McCarthy's running only these plays now. Or is it, you know, is it Dak calling the plays? And I don't know who to kind of put blame to because he can move the ball down the field. But for some reason, once we get inside that 20-yard line, we're having so much issues of trying to get the ball in. And I don't know who to point the finger to. Yeah, let's answer that moment. question. Yeah, let's 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 all answer – give our thoughts on that question right there. Who is to, more to blame in the red zone? We talked about Dak orchestrating the offense, but Mike McCarthy is calling the plays, and Schottenheimer is kind of that third tertiary offense coordinator. You know, the medical guy coined it. He said uh, McCarthy, you know, Schottenheimer, and then like or OC two was like Dak or whatever he phrased it. Who's more to blame in the red zone here with, with the play calling? Uh, Ryan, I'll let you answer this, one. and then you can, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I tend to think, and McCarthy said it in the press conference that it was his his doing but um man that it's just it's such a weird thing to see the cowboys struggle in the red zone like that we've never had problems in the red zone we've you know always punched it in right there in the 20 yards and in and you know that's people are saying oh i bet you miss kellen more now and oh you know it's like okay well we're three weeks into the season and 
it's kind of the point I made about Kellen Moore and Staley over in the Chargers uh, organization. They're just score. They're just trying to outscore their opponents, and that's great. But like, this team looks good from the twenty to the or from the zero yard line to the twenty and in. I mean, if they can just fix and get it to their playmakers, then we can, we can like Hunter was saying, we can we can make it into the end zone, no problem. But the other complaint I have is when we throw it to our playmakers. There was a play at the goal in the end zone where CD Lamb had a perfect ball throw to him. Yeah. And he yeah. goes up for the ball. And when he goes up for the ball, he gets pulled and immediately turns to the ref and just throws his hands up and the ball goes sailing over his head. Two things you can control went, attitude and effort. Yes. If you went for the ball and tried to make a play for the ball while he's holding you, you probably would have gotten that PI call, but we're going to sit there and turn around and whine to the ref while the ball is in play when you can still make a play. CD Lamb needs to make that play. Yes. If you're going to be our top guy, and I think he's still, you know, our best receiver, you've got to go up and make that play. Now, going to the Dak interception, this was coming um, late in the game, fourth quarter, fourth down. I know I've seen the screenshot. Everybody's like, oh, he's the funniest quarterback in the NFL. He's trying to force that ball in there because we're down 28 to 16 on fourth down. So yeah. if you go watch the other plays where he's rolling out and they're trying to shoot it in the end zone, when like the other problem I had is why are we like I said earlier in the earlier in the game, that that red zone gets tight and it gets tight fast. The field shrinks. Why are we running flood concepts where you have three receivers? All rolling right from the six-yard line where Dak only has half the field to throw that football. When the field is already shrunk, why are we running that field concept? If you go watch, all three receivers recovered, and Dak is just rolling out to nothing. You know, that you don't call that play from the six. You know, that's on McCarthy, in my opinion. And then what I said earlier is if we're running the ball on first down and 10, from the 10 yard line, first down and goal from the 10 yard line. That's just not helping us. And then to address the Zeke thing, I mean, you you got you put a guy on the 53 man roster to, to compliment what's what we're missing with Zeke, and that guy's Hunter Lepke. Why hasn't he had any red zone, you know, first down and goal from the two yard line? Let's give it to the big boy and make these guys tackle the yeah. State Bison. The white man used to just mauling people at the line of scrimmage so and i will say this i will say this i want to i don't want to cut you off but i want i don't want to let this escape my thoughts the dak interception is not what why the cowboys lost no they were they were beat long before that interception that is not Mm -hmm. what beat the cowboys however it was a bad throw that was a bad throw he 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 took responsibility for it in the press game conference he said the media got what they wanted he said the media got what they wanted let them have their fun. And I tried to look off the, the linebacker. The linebacker made a play, and he got the best of me. And I like that comment from him. Not a good throw. Trying to make a play, coach. Set up, sort of play. Um, yeah, and then any you can finish up. But I wanted to get that comment out there. Well, I would. I just want to say one thing. I don't even think that was as – that wasn't even that – like you said, didn't determine anything. I don't think that was the worst throw. I think mm-hmm. the throw that really bothered me was – you know, Dak in his career has been known to have a nice, you know, fade ball. You know, he can throw down the field. And he underthrows Michael Gallup when Michael Gallup has the guy beat on the outside. And in my opinion, with those plays to where if the 
receiver has to come back for the ball when the cornerback is going, he's running with you, and the wide receiver comes and makes contact because the quarterback underthrew it. For any team, I don't care if it's for the Cowboys, for the Georgia Bulldogs. I don't. I don't it doesn't matter to me. The thing is, is that I think that was a good no call. I think that the standard that we held, we hold Dak to. He has to make that throw. That throw has to be made. If Michael Gallup, if the throw is made and Michael Gallup drops it, then we talk about. Now we're talking about Michael Gallup should have caught that ball. Yeah, but then, I, you know, I agree he, with you. Yeah, he he just. I don't. I don't think there should have been a pass interference, especially when the wide receiver has to come back to it. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just it doesn't. And if you're look, if you're that's your main reason. Like, if someone's saying they have to, they have the refs have to be in the game. Like, refs have to make that call. Yeah. Kind of goes back to what I said last week. You know, they the uh, Broncos blow a twenty-one to three lead against the I Commanders, and. They get back, so they blow the lead to the commanders. It comes down to the last play, and Russ Gus Bus throws a Hail Mary tip tip, and here comes a two point conversion. There's a little bit of early contact. It could have been press interference, but the people would be like, well, if they would have got the press interference, they probably won. But what are you doing blowing a 21 3 lead against the commanders? And yeah. what are the Cowboys even doing to even put themselves in the situation? Yeah. Defense is playing like shit. Ten minutes in the red zone, you can't get the ball in, and then next thing you know, it's fourth down. Dak's forcing the ball, which if the K- if the Cowboys would have scored, everything would have to go right. Where they had to stop them, get the ball back, go march yes. down the yeah. field, score another touchdown. It's already a lot to ask for. So I'm not really concerned about that Dak interception. I'm more concerned about that Michael Gallup play where that ball should have been made. I think it could have, you know, save save some time on the clock, save some timeouts. And something could have been a come, but nevertheless, the interception, it's end of the game. Who yeah. gives a shit? Yeah. Yeah. I, and Dax. I'll give you your. Go ahead, Jerry. I'll, I'll yeah, sorry. It's just quick. I, I just want to get my thoughts on who to blame. And, um, you know, Dax going to make that throw. Uh, I think it was not a bad throw, but it was a slightly misplaced. And, you know, yeah, you could have called the, the, the DPI there, but, you know, Dax going to hit that. Gallup made a good, good, a good, made a good route, good to play. Um, I think the majority of the blame goes on McCarthy here because he is the ultimate play caller, but I think uh, the m- minority of the the blame can go on Dak as well. Uh, I just think as an overall consensus that everyone has a part to play in the pitiful red zone offense. Um, yeah, so, Ryan. I mean, just to add to what Hunter was saying, uh, overall Dak did miss some throws, but – the, the thing that I'll say is he got us down there to the red zone five times, and that's that's the problem we're having here. The other problem I have is, like, if we're down two scores, you know, we're running the ball way too much, and we just went away from the intermediate, pa- or the intermediate passing game, and I have a chart to prove that. You know, the Cowboys, in the, in the middle of the game, you're down 14, your defense is playing bad. Like, it just it's, – it's hard to – it's hard to justify running the ball. And then this chart right here shows Dak threw the ball in the middle of the field three times, like of 10 or more yards. And I'm talking not just the middle. I'm talking 10 yards, left, right, middle. He threw the ball three times. Why are we not attacking the middle of the field with our speed? Couldn't tell you. But, I mean, we, we, we I think – that's where McCarthy's got to be better is when our defense is shutting down. Like I've mentioned on this podcast before about flipping the coin, 
I said that the Cowboys have the ability to flip the coin, and I think they were kind of conservative in their playbook. Well, we need to see that for that to be active. If your defense is going to give up 28, then you got to flip the script and be like, okay, look, we can still run the ball, but let's throw to set up the pass. Let's get this ball to Brandon Cooks. Let me get CeeDee Lamb right here on the slant route. You know, let's get this ball moving where they can't control or we can keep them on the field, tempo, tempo, tempo. Let's go down and score. You know, kind of like the old Kellen Moore days that we, you know, we'd get in tempo and score quick. I'm not saying get in tempo and score quick, but I'm saying get on the ball. Get adapt these, to the game. Yeah, adapt to the game. And that's, you know, that's the thing that McCarthy said he worked on and his time off from the Packers was learning how to adapt the game. Well, I need to see that. Yeah. You know, that that's the thing that's bothering me is at first this was kind of a red flag that we couldn't score in red zone. Now it's a major problem because you know, we just lost well, we lost to the Cardinals. It's still early in the season. We're two and one. We're still in a good good position. But this is the kind of game that, you know, in January when yeah. the Eagles are fourteen and whatever and the Cowboys are thirteen and four, you're gonna look back on this game and go, dang. We we should have we should have pulled that off. But con- contrary to what Jared was saying, team big or winning teams have done this. Uh, the Chiefs lost to the Colts last year in Week Three. You know, what in the world? The Bills lost to the Vikings last year. Yes, the Vikings were good, but they had a negative point differential. Uh, this is just stuff from last year that I can remember. The Eagles lost to the Colts, or almost lost to the Colts last year, and got bailed out by a Pillman flag. So it's just stuff like that, you know. The Cowboys got to wipe this off. They they got punched in the teeth, and they they got to wake up. And I think that's what the vibe in the locker room is now. From what I've read from other reports, is you know there's guys in there that are disappointed, but they're like, hey man, we just they got kicked in the teeth. We need to go home, reset, watch some film, and, and get active. So I'm really hoping that they they wake up and they wake up fast. Jared, your mic's not working. Sorry. Um, I was trying not to catch the water bottle. But, yeah, let's transition smoothly into the Dak on track segment. You know, obviously he was 25 of 40 with 249 yards, a touchdown interception. Um, And I want to talk quickly about, you know, we had questions about can this offense move the ball? You know, we haven't seen a full drive from Dallas. And this is one I've been kind of excited to talk about because it is a positive. All of uh, Dallas's offensive drives – practically started from their own um, from their own territory. The average starting uh, starting field position for the Dallas Cowboys was the 25-yard line, and they ended up going to the red zone, I think, five, five times, five or six times. Yeah, and so we saw that Dallas can move the ball, and I saw positive signs from Dak making plays on a lot of third downs, bailing us out of third down situations, and he was able to move the ball, which is what we expect, the problem was the red zone, obviously. And so I think a big concern in this game, in a game like we talked about adapting to the game, is we ran the ball 42% of the time in the game, in a game that we never even had the lead. That makes no sense to me. And I understand that the ground game was working, and Pollard did do a great job on the ground. But we have to adapt to the game. And if we're behind, we probably need to throw ourselves back into it. And we've seen Dak have the capability of doing that before. And with these weapons, I don't think there's any excuses as to why we're not pushing the ball downfield. It seemed like we were taking our time with methodical drives 
and we looked like we had the lead when we were had when we had possession of the ball. But um, I think it was a positive sign that we were able to move the length of the field. We just weren't able to capitalize on finishes. And I really, I didn't think it was a bad decision to go for it on fourth down because if we got it, we would have been we would have said it's a good call. But since we didn't get it, there was complaints. Um, so what, I don't know what y'all's thoughts are on Dak's overall performance. We, we obviously Ryan talked about a little bit about his passing chart. Not not so many throws in the middle of the field, and I have the passing chart up here if you guys want to see it. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a positive sign that they moved the ball the length of the field. Um, Hunter, I don't know what your your comments are on you know Dak's overall performance. Um, you know, what you would like to see, you know, outside of the red zone, any negative or positive signs there. Well, I'll start with the positives with Dak. Uh, one of the positives is, you know, like you said, he's moving the ball downfield and in a, just that red zone. But, I mean, the red zone, I mean, you have to get to the red zone. However, you need to you need to score the ball. You know, at least we have a kicker. I'd be a positive as a Cowboys in whole. At least the Cowboys have a kicker who can make a field goal. So then that's a good sign. But then, you know, they're missing three starters on the offensive line. Which, you know, the first couple of drives, you can kind of tell they were struggling a little bit. They started to kind of pick it up more. There's a lot of penalties on the Cowboys. Wishy-washy, kind of just an overall bad game. Uh, but Dak, you know, it's like it's like the Mike McCarthy thing. You know, if he's if he's orchestrated, if Mike McCarthy's calling Dak straight down the field, and then if Mike McCarthy... If he has full reins of the red zone, you know, I have to I give props to Dak for orchestrating them down to the the red zone. But I just don't I don't see how Dak doesn't have any input into what's going into the red zone. And this would be one of those games that we talked about how Dak needs to open they need to open up the playbook. They you know, as soon as they were down, they were down, you know, two scores in the first quarter and they they were already trying to throw the ball every single down. They were just throwing and throwing. And, you know, the, the run game was working. I get it with the run game, you know, trying to, you know, going away from it in the fourth. But, like, in the first half, you could still run it. There's still, you know, 40 minutes of game time. And, you know, I would, I'm would i going to give Dak a C-plus for this performance. But that's just – that's as, it's also as, like, a – because I mentioned, too, how the defense – is going to be the big part of this team probably all year. But they're not going to be able to shut out every single team they go against or force three turnovers like we've seen in the past. This is one of those games where I would wanted to see the offense more when the defense is struggling like they were in which the defense struggled a lot to where, you know, the offense and Dak can, you know, keep them in this game and, you know, win them the game and, it goes to show, like, you know, the playbook's not being open and just a couple missed throws in the red zone. And we saw a little bit last week, too, against the Jets. But, you know, even he had three starters out and he made, I forgot which quarter it was, but there was a play where he broke like two tackles, ran. It was like vintage Dak, you know, pre snapped ankle. And I like how he was on his, you know, moving a lot more out of the pocket and, using his feet. Those are something, those are good signs when Dak is being mobile. He's not like the most mobile quarterback. He's not like a Jalen Hurts or Fields, but when Dak's on the loose, like he's a better quarterback than he is than standing in the pocket, especially with three offensive line being out. 
Yeah, what what grade, Ryan, do you give Dak for this game? And any final comments before we move into the Mamas Don't Let Your Cowboys segment? Mm, I'm going to go B-. minus. I think it was a decent game. He uh, he's got a score in the red zone, and I think I think Hunter's right. I, I got to see more from him in the red zone, but I got to see it more from the entire team. I didn't really like to see that, you know, CD like I mentioned earlier, CD Lamb not going up for that ball and the play calling. It just it was infuriating to watch in the red zone. Um, he was able to move the ball downfield. I would I would just like to see it more in the playmakers' hands, and I think that's the big question mark for us as a whole. Is is this McCarthy's problem or is this Dak's problem? I think it's both, but I would say it leans more on the guy that's on the sidelines that's orchestrating this offense. So you know, Dak Dak's probably getting two calls in his head, goes to the line and chooses between the two calls, and I mean, clearly it was efficient until we got to the to the red zone, and that's. That's just not it. And that, that goes back to what I'm saying about flipping the script is if if our defense is – and I don't expect them to get turnovers every game. Yes, we led the league in turnovers last year getting, you know, the ball back. But, you know, they, they, if they're not going to play up to, sta- to standard and give 28 points up, then I expect their offense to go score 35. And, you know, you expect that from any team, but, you know, the Cowboys have the weapons to do so, and I was just very disappointed to see it. So, overall, I give him a B minus. He did miss a couple throws, but overall, I thought he had a, a decent performance. It's just the red zone. Yeah, and I have the same grade. I have a B minus for for Dak Prescott, and I have you know you you kind of said it all for me. But I want to read uh, the medical guy's comments for Dak Prescott. He gave him a B minus. He said he thought he played decently. He continues to be huge on third down, which I agree with, um, with his arm or his legs. Um, obviously, you want more scoring, but that's the basis of the Texas Coast offense. Uh, he would love to see more down-the-field throws, especially since it's obvious all, all wide receivers are healthy. Whoever Dak or Mike McCarthy is calling in the red zone, they need to be better. No excuses. Everybody is going to talk about the interception because it's the low-hanging fruit. Not the greatest decision. Dak took a chance, and it didn't work. If you think Dak played bad, then go watch the film and come back Come back to me wrong. Um, and then a couple comments from him about the offense and the defense before we move on. I want to get these in here. He said they were able to move the ball despite missing three offensive linemen. Um, an interesting play calling. The red zone offense was way too predictable and neutralized their best uh, weapons, quarterback and running backs and wide receivers in space. You know, it was – Decent, you know, the Cardinals had answers for just about everything in the red zone. Wide receivers named CD Lamb and Gallup have a combined three targets and zero catches in three games in the red zone. This is this should be a crime. <laughs> um, stop using CD Lamb as a gadget guy and use him as the number one wide receiver. We have gadget guys. Um, he would love to see more outside runs with Pollard and would love to see more shots downfield taken when available. And they need to score more touchdowns when getting into the red zone. And then finally, on defense. Medical guy talks about, and it seems as if the Cardinals were underestimated. Personally, he thought the defense got a little too smart with some of the alignment of their players, especially on the defensive line. Yet again, a mobile quarterback gave the quarterbacks problem, gave, gave the Cowboys problems with low athletic linebackers and safety personnel. Um, 
with or with how the athletic linebacker and safety personnel is, that should be something that should be contained. And the defensive backs were not ideal against a lesser wide receiver group. And in conclusion, the Cowboys played worse and didn't capitalize on their opportunities. Penalties were something that ailed the, the boys throughout the whole game. Regardless, this is the NFL, and if the team doesn't play well, they can't get beat by anybody. I expect both sides of the ball to come out hot against the Patriots this week, which transitions us into Mama's Don't Let Your Cowboys um, segment and our predictions for the upcoming games. Mine, mine's the same as last week. Mama's Don't Let Your Cowboys get, get let the offense get into the into the red zone because they're not executing. But Mama's Don't Also Let Your Cowboys Get Hot in the Red Zone because if so, they become a dangerous team and they go back probably to a top three NFL team in this league. Hunter, what's your uh, Mama's segment mamas don't let your cowboys give zeke a big game or we will not be seeing ryan this podcast for about a month and a half <laughs> we we don't we don't need a we don't want to make rg3 right we don't want to see zeke score two touchdowns in the red zone zeke big game we're not seeing the analyst on this pod for a little bit he's in going to hiding he's already has a couple of hot mic moments we don't need a big zeke game mamas yeah. don't let your cowboys have Give Zeke a game. Right? Mamas don't let your Cowboys play down to their opponents. Um, we've seen this at least once a year under McCarthy. Hopefully this is the last time this happens this year. Um, the Cowboys cannot afford to drop another game like this if they want to have good positioning in the playoffs. I mentioned that earlier. Um, it's just disappointing. And uh, going back to Jacob, the medical guy's comments, He's right. You know, this is any given Sunday. Um, and I think the Cowboys went in there too high, too high headed and they, they got kicked in the teeth and it, it, I hope it makes them pissed off and I hope they go up next week to the Patriots and be like, all right, that's it enough. And they go out and they, and they show everybody what this team's capable of. I think, you know, for predictions going into the, the Patriots game where, you know, we're playing, them at home, they're a scrappy team. They're probably going to be a seven to nine win, you know, New England team. I think one thing we should expect is Zeke to have at least first one first down run of more than ten yards to where he does his feed me animation. I think if I was betting on this game, I might bet on a Ezekiel Elliott touchdown as his return to AT and T Stadium, but. Nonetheless, I think the Cowboys are pissed off. I think they're angry. I think that makes them play harder. And I think the Cowboys, it'll be close. It'll be close. But I think the Cowboys win this game 28-24. to Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I've already said a couple of things what I think this game is going to be. I think it will actually be close. And the Patriots will try and throw the ball on us. However, I think you see a better Dallas uh, defense, which you've seen in the past and a major improvement in the red zone offense. There's been a lot of talk um, that McCarthy said, hey, look, you know, we're struggling here. We're going to spend a lot of time in practice on the red zone. And uh, it's kind of going back to what I said about him taking time off and adapting his game. You know, I hope that that actually comes into fruition here and they do make that move. Um, I, along with, you know, I'm looking forward to the Cowboys along with Dak taking that punch in the gut and waking up. And I think the score will be the Cowboys will come out and win this game 27-21. Nice, nice. Cowboys game, yeah, I got a little close. I got 24-17 Dallas. 
be seeing traits, especially with the uh, insurgence of Christian Gonzalez being a you know true. He looks like he can be a true number one. He's kind of having like a, a he had last year. Yeah, I expect Zeke to also have a you know a couple carries where it's like whoa, only if we had Zeke still. But uh, I if the Cowboys can figure out their red zone, I expect them to score points, then more points than usual against a Patriots team who's well coached, and I reportedly changing the hand signals for week Greer and Zeke are on the Patriots now. So the Cowboys came up with a bunch of new hand signals. And so 24-17, Mac Jones probably tries to grab Mike Micah Parsons nuts. And Micah <laughs> Parsons hits him over the head Kills with a hammer. Hits him overhead with his hammer. And we'll probably see a little bit of Bailey Zappi or Will Greer in the game. Yeah, I think if Mac Jones did that to Micah Parsons, that uh, Mac Jones would die on the field and not technically. I think he would for sure die. Um, yeah, so let's move into our two-minute drill. Um, obviously, we have the medical guy and the analyst two-minute drill. Medical guy covers all things injuries, and the analyst covers all things statistics. Um, and I'll start off with the medical guy and his and his, his segment for this. Segment for this. Oops. Uh, <laughs> well, he'll start with um, Mike Williams. So, Mike Williams, wide receiver for the Chargers, torn ACL. Will be out about eight to ten months. Quentin Johnson or Josh Palmer time in Los Angeles. Nick Chubb reports say that only his MCL was torn, but other ligaments were stretched. That's not a good thing. A stretched or sprained ligament is not a great thing when referencing the knee. And still look, looking to eight to, ten, eight, eight to ten months before return. Trayvon Diggs, obviously, this is a big one that we haven't touched on. A torn ACL and a non-contact injury in practice that we weren't able to see, which is highly discouraging. We would have liked to have cried on a Sunday, preferably just for the nostalgia, but eight to ten months before returning for him as well. And then, of course, you got to address the Cowboys' offensive line. Zach Martin with an ankle injury, most likely more of a precaution than anything. Um, probably smart to keep him out of the game. Biotish, hamstrings, same thing, most likely a – more of a precaution, you know, from the head coaching staff to kind of keep him out of this game and preserve him for the season. And then Tyron Smith, you know, he's getting old. He had a, a knee injury. Um, same thing. I think it was, again, more of a precaution thing than anything. However, keep in mind, Tyron's biggest red flag is his available availability in recent years. Missing one game to save multiple is most likely what the coaches were thinking. Christian Watson for the Packers has a hamstring injury, and he plans to play for the first time this season versus the Lions. Hamstring injuries can be a nagging thing. So hopefully, excuse me, hopefully he's not um, limited in any capacity and he's, you know, ready to contribute to a Packers team who will make it my top 10 later on in our NFL power rankings. And then Jimmy G for the Raiders. Concussion protocol. He got absolutely mollywopped in the game multiple times. Um, there was a controversial, you know, roughing the passer call, but he is fried. Uh, Derek Carr, Saints, AC joint sprain. Depending on how, depending on his pain tolerance, he could be out one to two weeks. Jabu wins is in for the Saints. If pain is too bad, could be up to three to four weeks. Keep in mind, it's on his throwing arm. Um, famous Jamius Winston, like I mentioned, is in this week. And of course, on the DB list, the down bad list, we got our boy, Jacob Clark, Clark Cuzzo, the medical guy 
tested positive for COVID. He was at Arrowhead Stadium uh, this Sunday watching the Chiefs absolutely gang rape the shit out of the Bears. So he's placing the blame, the, the blame on Kansas City. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey roasts are necessary. So go get that jab, brother. Watch the Travis Kelsey vaccine commercial. Go get that jab, brother, and prevent COVID-19. Just kidding. Do not get that shit. Uh, (laughs) That concludes the Medical Guys 2-Minute Drill. The analysts, present us with your 2-Minute Drill uh, analytics. Well, that was a really, really good coverage from uh, Jacob. Props to him. And uh, T's and P's, T's and P's. All right, so a lot of the stuff that I have in here is some stuff that we covered as we talked through our games. We had McCaffrey, 18 carries for 85 yards and a touchdown. I already said this fun fact, but if you bet $100 on the last 15 games that McCaffrey has scored, you would be rolling in some dough. Uh, Next up, we got we're heading down or up north to Cleveland. Watson and Cooper finally learned how to connect. Cooper had seven receptions, 116 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Deshaun Watson said after they played the Steelers that he played terrible and he acted like a buffoon. Uh, he can't act any worse than he has already on the off off of the field. And then the uh, next thing I have on here is the Chargers and the Vikings. Herbert and Allen and Cousins and Jetty, highly efficient. Herbert was 40 for 47, 405 yards and three touchdowns. Allen had a monster game, 18 receptions, 215 yards. And then flip it over to the Vikings. Kirk Cousins, 32 of 50, 367 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. Jetty had seven receptions, 149 yards, and a tutty. So those guys are on fire. Um, quick note on that game, the Chargers almost chargered that game so hard. And there's been a lot of talks about people saying that there's some teams out there that should trade for Cousins. Maybe the Jets. I saw that. And uh, just hitting the rebuild button in Minnesota. But I will say the Vikings chargered that game themselves and just gave it away. Next up, we have uh, our neighbors, the Texans. Stroud, 20 of 30, 280 yards and two touchdowns. He's yet to throw an interception. I threw that out there that he actually broke the passing attempts for that, where consecutive passing attempts without interception. Tank Dell, five receptions, 145 yards, one touchdown. He's emerging as a prominent threat for the Texans. Not a bad start for the Texans. I still don't care about them at all, but I think they have finally found a good head coach and quarterback. Hopefully this one doesn't ask for massages and sticks to electrical shock therapy. (laughs) Uh, Next, we have the Dolphins, uh, electric as hell. 71 plays, 70 points, as I mentioned earlier. Tua on fire, 310 yards and four touchdowns. Running backs, HA 40, 47, 18 touches, 203 yards, two touchdowns. Mostert, three or 13 carries, 82 yards and three touchdowns. And Hill, nine carry or nine touches, 157, one tutty. All without water on the field. That eye form flick play was uh, play calling porn for sure. And then uh, Russell Wilson sucks. It's just time to call it a career. And then uh, just a quick update on your offensive leaders. Uh, we got number one, Kirk Cousins for passing yards. Number two, Tua. Three, Herbert. Four, Stroud. And five, Goff. Not some names that you would have thought you would have saw in those leaderboards. Rushing, you have Christian McCaffrey at 
Number one, James Cook. Number two, I highly recommend if you're in fantasy league trying to trade for him because he's finally emerging as the Buffalo Bills have found a running back. James Conner, number three, which is odd. Tony Pollard at number four. We'd like to see that. And then Mostert, again, 240 yards. So that's really all I got for your two-minute drill. Um, Parsons is sitting in fourth right now with four sacks. TJ Watt, this was as of Sunday, so might have some updates here. But TJ Watt is leading the NFL with six sacks. And your all-time – or your all-time – your league season leading receiver is Justin Jefferson with 458. And Tyreek Hill with 412. Very nice, very nice. Well, let's transition into the kids' picks. Solid two-minute drill there from the medical guy and the analyst per usual. Uh, once again, the kids' picks. I'll let Hunter take over here. Give us your three, your three-leg, uh, your three-leg player props for this upcoming NFL slate. Week four NFL slate. We got Bijan Robinson over 66 and a half rushing yards versus Jacksonville. Expect a, expect a big game from the guy Bijan and expect a big run. I'm going to guess for a 40-yard run. Also, we got the future OP Offensive Player of the Year, C-Mac, over 86 and a half rushing yards versus Arizona. Tony Pollard just had 122 yards last week, so expect C-Mac to double that. We got... Jared's guy, Laporta, over 42 and a half yards versus Green Bay. Uh, he's a, has one of the fastest starts to tight ends this year and expect Laporta to continue that success, 42 and a half yards versus Green Bay. And that concludes the kids' picks. Follow me. <laughs> I like those. All right. I like those. They'll probably, they sound good on paper. Then we'll go on, go into them and who knows what will happen. Uh, solid, solid kids picks there. We'll transition into the Rooks looks, start them and set them fantasy football. A little recap from last week. Um, I told everybody to take the start Puka for the uh, Los Angeles Rams. Seven targets, five receptions, 72 yards. The homeowner answered the door for the Mormon. And then, of course, I, I said start Sam Laporta. This was probably my best one of the week. 11 targets. Eight receptions, 84 yards, one touchdown, green bean. And, of course, I said to sit Hollywood Brown. This one didn't go well. Um, I apologize, everybody. Seven targets, five receptions, 71 yards, one touchdown. Fuck. And then, of course, Juju Smith-Schuster, one reception, five yards, did not go viral. I'm so glad I told everybody to bench him. He's probably on not a lot of, not a lot of fantasy rosters anymore, so that one makes a lot of sense. All right, for week four. Start Raheem Mostert, Miami running back. 45 fantasy points in week three. Had a good fantasy performance in week two. Back-to-back solid weeks. Solid committee. Flex option with A-chain 47. Too soon to tell, but stay tuned. Start Tank Dell, Houston wide receiver. Back-to-back 20-plus fantasy weeks. He's Stroud's slot guy. High upside. I say start him. Sit Garrett Wilson, New York Jets. Decent production. Keep him on the bench until Zach Wilson is gone because Zach Wilson is ass until they trade for a quarterback. You know, he's the middle of the pack. High, uh, you know, wide receiver two with high tier wide receiver one talent with Garrett Wilson in the game. He's a low end wide receiver four. <laughs> Sit James Conner, Arizona running back from the Cardinals. They've had their fun. They're going against the 49ers run defense, which is superior. 
He has PPR upside with some maybe some catches. You could slide him in the flex if you're avoid or if you're uh, if you're slim on running backs. But I would honestly avoid if you can. Um, and then my sleeper of the week, if you have this availability, high risk, high reward. Devon A. Chain, Miami running back. Consider this as a flex option, running back three. This is pure eye candy. And his opponent is the Buffalo Bills, so it might be a high-scoring affair. Um, so, yeah, that is my Brooks Looks stardom sit Let's move into our NFL power rankings, and then we'll close this bad boy out. Ryan, I'll give you first dibs on your power rankings. Um just going to highlight a couple teams, but it, we haven't heard your power rankings, so why don't you give us, you know, your one through 10 real quick, just kind of give everybody an idea. Um, and then you can highlight some teams that have maybe moved or maybe uh, um, are in a different spot than the previous week. Yeah, I'll go 10 to one here. So at uh, number 10, of course, well, hold on a couple of honorable mentions. I had the Browns, Pats, Commanders, Bucks, Rams, and Falcons in my honorable mentions. Uh, at number 10, I have the Jags. Um, Still think they're pretty good. They're one and two, but we'll, we'll go from there. Number nine, I have the Packers. Uh, this might be a surprise to some people, but Jordan Love is actually playing pretty good. Number eight, I have the Chargers. They are starting to pick up a little bit, but their defense is just bad. Uh, number seven, I have the Lions. So this is one of the teams that I highlighted to talk about. They're starting to look pretty good. Shout out to my fellow credit analyst at work, Ian Horgan, major Lions fan. But he is uh, high on the Lions, and I think they actually have a pretty good uh, opportunity here to, you know, build on what they're what they're doing here. But you know, we'll see. So that's that's just through week three. But and then number six, I have our Dallas Cowboys. Uh, previously, I had them at number two, but they just after that disappointing loss, you got to put a big old question mark on our forehead. At number five, I have Philly. I'm still not convinced, but I have to put them over Dallas that they can, you know, play with the good teams where if they get behind, they're going to have to throw the ball. I think they really tried to force throwing the ball in in the game on uh, Monday night, and I just don't really trust Jalen Hurts still throwing that ball. At number four, I have the Bills. They had a rough start in week one, but have came out in week two and week three and shown they're still the Bills. Josh Allen is cleaned up his work and looks pretty good. And like I mentioned earlier, James Cook is starting to emerge as something they've been missing for a while, which is a running back. At number three, I have the Chiefs um, lost in week one to the Lions. But I think that's another game that you're going to look back on, kind of like the Dallas and be like, they lost to the Cardinals. Yeah, you're going to look back at this Chiefs game and be like, they lost to the Lions. They're still very good. And Mahomes just shows up again that they are – you know, he's the most elite quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> Number two, I have San Fran. Um, they're still – we've covered them a lot. Well-rounded football team. Still show that they can still play all sides of the ball. Um, the way to beat them, I think, is to get pressure on the quarterback. But they're going to be the team to beat in the NFC as of this moment. And then number one, you got to put Miami at number one, man. That offense is electric. Speed out the gate. Um, their defense is still pretty good without um, Jalen Ramsey at quarterback, but they, I mean, they, they are the team to beat right now. They putting up 70, that that's just sending up a flare that, Hey, we're some bad MFers on this field. And that's my ranking. So I got number one, Miami. Nice. And I'll quickly go through the medical guys and I'll let Hunter follow up and I'll, and I'll go last. Um, 
medical guy has at number 10, the Cincinnati Bengals. They sneak their way in there, followed by number nine, the Browns. Um, looked stupid last week when I had him last week when I had him in there until they did what they did to their previous opponents. So I think the Browns, you know, could improve as the season goes on. Uh, number eight is the Chargers. Um, high-powered offense. They got a good dub against a struggling uh, Minnesota Vikings team. Number seven, the Green Bay Packers. I really like this one, and you'll you'll hear why um, when I once I do my NFL power rankings. Number six is the beat up Baltimore Ravens, followed by number five, the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen um, and James Cook at number three in the rushing standings, and number four on his power rankings is the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and then follow the top three. Number three, the Philadelphia Eagles. They continue to figure things out um, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, they're finishing games. They maintain the lead. Number two, Miami Dolphins with that high-powered offense, followed by number one, the San Francisco 49ers. All right, Hunter, your power rankings? Wait, hold on. Did he, where did he put the Cowboys? I didn't. The Cowboys did not make his uh, top ten power rankings. Wow. They're probably at number 32. I didn't include the Bengals just because I'm thinking about this year and how bad it looks. Anyway. I was shocked by reading that when I got it when I got his inquiries and I was like, "Oh, but you're not, they ain't even in the top ten. Respect. Mm. Go ahead. <laughs> so for my power rankings, uh, the Cowboys had an honorable mention today. Out of the top 32 teams, they're ranked at number 34 right now. Uh, my number one, I got the Arizona Cardinals. You know, they had a nice win, even though they supposedly tanking. They don't got their COD Prestige 10 quarterback right now. But, you know, they beat the Cowboys, so that's that. I got Miami at number two. Tua turning the ball over is not turning over the ball at the moment. High-powered, fast team. They look nice. San Francisco 49ers at number three. You can throw Brock Purdy, Brock Bowers, Brock Lesnar. don't matter. Kyle Shanahan is going <laughs> to figure it out at the quarterback position. Uh, number four, I got the Philadelphia Eagles. It hurts for me to say that, but Eagles do what they got to do. At number five, I got the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, my biggest takeaway is that they have Taylor Swift now, so Travis Kelsey is an anytime touchdown machine going rest of the way forward. Place your bets That's on that. That's right. <laughs> no, number seven is the Buffalo Bill. Or the was he? Hold up, where am I? Six. I have the Buffalo Bills. The Bills have a running back who's starting to cook, and he, you know, he hasn't gotten an end zone, but you know they're looking good, and Josh Allen's kind of starting to figure out his ways. At number. Sorry, my list messed up. At number seven, I got the Texans. Texans, you'll beat the Jaguars. You beat my guys. So oh my I'm going to have to throw you guys at number seven ahead of the Cowboys at the moment. At number eight, I got the Deshaun Watson Browns. Deshaun Watson, after that play he made where he threw the ball backwards and he somehow still won the game by four touchdowns, how, how are we going to do anything? He's... He's unstoppable. He's been such a great inspiration to the community of Cleveland. He's brought a lot of life back to the city. And I know he's <laughs> contributing very well to society right now. Sex in at, the city. At number nine, I got the Colorado Buffaloes. Uh, they, they, lost, they, they lost this weekend, 
but they're still three and one. Give it some time, you know. Even though he lost to a good Bo Nix led Oregon team, uh, it was a close one. It was forty-two to six. I expect them to bounce back. And at number ten, I got the Georgia Bulldogs. There you Georgia go. Bulldogs. The Georgia Bulldogs can possibly make it to huh? number one on my list. And right now, I'm ahead of the boys. Like I said, they made my mention at number thirty-four out of the thirty-two NFL teams, and that will include. The kids, top 10 power rankings, track 15. Good picks, Emmanuel Acho. All right. <laughs> it's time for the uh, the Rooks power rankings brought to you by absolutely nobody. Um, I want to share a little visual here for you guys. That way you can kind of see. <clears throat> All right. So if you're watching this, I highly encourage you to turn on your screens. Uh, we could start off hot here at number one. We got the Arizona Cardinals at number one, along with the 49ers. I think those are both juggernauts heading into the rest of the season with Josh Dobbs at quarterback playing with this electrifying energy. They move up 35,000 spots to the number one (laughs) (laughs) after their glorious dub over the Dallas Cowboys. A couple of interchangeable people um, or teams is the Bengals. They they creep their way into the top ten along with the Chargers and Saints as some honorable mentions. Um, but those are kind of interchangeable at number 10. The Packers have made their way into the top 10. I think I like what I'm seeing from Jordan Love. You know, they still haven't played um, with Christian Watson yet. So I find that very encouraging for a, for a young quarterback. And Jordan Love's been able to win some games without uh, some key factors and some, especially Bakhtiari being missing as well. Um, and then of course the, the Ravens kind of moved down a couple slots. I got the Cowboys at number six. Um, as long as they have their mascot rowdy, um, they will, or until they beat some winning teams and playoff teams, they will not move up from that spot. They will be six or lower until proven otherwise. Um, the chiefs and the Eagles kind of in the same spot, chiefs at three Eagles at four. And of course the high powered Miami dolphins offense at number two, scoring 70 points on Russ, Gus, Bus, Truss, Wilson. And breaking news, Ciara has filed a divorce for uh, Russell Wilson after their atrocious performance last Sunday. Um, neither confirm, confirm or deny that, but, you know, Taylor Swift's taking over. So, and I agree with the anytime breaking touchdown. News. Yeah. Break, breaking news, Track has, fi- has gotten a lawsuit filed from Russ, Gus, Bus for spreading defamation of character. <laughs> so Jared, run that down from top to bottom for those that aren't watching. Yeah, let's run this down from those who are like Ryan said. You know, you got number ten, the Bengals. You got number nine, the Green Bay Packers. Number eight, the Lions. Number seven, the Baltimore Ravens. You got number six, the Dallas Mother F and Cowboys. Number five, the Buffalo Bills. Bills Mafia. And then you got four, Fly Eagles. Fly. Um, I can't believe I just Filthy. said that. Filthy Eagles, Mike Trout's Eagles. Um, number three, you got the Kansas City Chiefs. Number two, the Texas Rangers. Get fucked. Uh, number two, the Miami Dolphins, excuse me. Number one, the Arizona Cardinals and the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, power that's what we need to do is from now on, any team that beats Dallas, they're automatically number one in the rankings. They're, they're automatically, automatically number one in the rankings. Uh, yeah, um, uh, their uh, Cardinals are really good. I, I really expect this from them. They're a good team. Uh, I mean, they got Marquise Brown. They got number one over there. They got a brand new coach. Yeah. So, 
that wraps that up. Solid, solid power rankings, boys. And let's wrap this up with our records of the week and let's get out of here. Um, we'll start with the kid for his record of the week. Actually, you know what? Uh, the kid, you go last. You got a special one. I'll let you go last. Um, Ryan, you, you can start with the, your record of the week. Uh, my record of the week goes into interceptions. Uh, I would just like to point out that currently uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has thrown six interceptions. If we're going to pocket watch interceptions this year, watch them closely um, because it's a little bit ridiculous that we're not doing that. So Jimmy Garoppolo leads the league in interceptions. Give me two seconds. Uh, Sam Howell is next along with Stafford, Jones, Allen. They – they're all right there behind him. And uh, Jalen Hurts has three, which goes into me saying that he can't really throw the ball. So, <laughs> All right. Um, my record of the week. What a diss track right there. Damn. Yeah. The diss track. Yeah, yeah, that's for all the people that are pocket watching the one interception that Dak threw late in the game. Trying to win Good job, games. Tupac. Good job. I love the diss track. Love the diss track. What was Dak cooking? Uh, all right. Records of the week. Um Minus the two songs that Cody Johnson came out with. I haven't gotten a chance to shout out um, him in a while. He's coming out with his new album, Leather, November 3rd, right before opening weekend for hunting season. Perfect time for the May Brothers. But his two songs, Work Boots and Watching My Old Flame. Um, Cody Johnson, Leather, out November 3rd, 2023. A double track album or deluxe album, 2012 songs with another 12 additionally. 24 total tracks for leather by yeah, I'm Cody. ready for that. You already know. Yeah, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. Hunter, close us out. Closing track of the week. I'm actually doing a the day. It's gonna be blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5:10. And just a daily, you know, verse of the day. God is good. Accept Jesus Christ into your heart. You get a chance. Revival. You know, build that stronger relationship with the greater good, whoever that might be, and watch your life just turn to better. And I'm glad that I have Jesus Christ accepted into my heart now. Yes, sir. We do as well. Way to end the podcast with the way, the truth, and the life. Um, as a personal DAC disciple, I, I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, at, per usual, we want to thank the analysts for coming on to join the show. Um, unfortunately, uh, the medical guy is on the DB list. Um, so hopefully he gets well soon. Gets well soon. T's and P's. Um, uh, Jacob, get well soon, brother. We hope to get you on the pod next week. Um as always, the Rook and the Kid bring it to you straight, shattering the script. You can follow us on the socials at track.pod on Instagram, track.pod on TikTok, the trackpod on Twitter, and you can go on Facebook if you are a strong believer in Meta and Mark Zuckerberg. Um, you can message us for any inquiries on Instagram as well. And go like the uh, <laughs> the, uh, the the post that I that's going viral because it's been blowing up my phone since it's been sitting here. It is It is still blowing up. Um, I think it's over close to 2000 likes now. So, um, very good sign. Very good sign. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for coming out. This is the track podcast, the Rook and the kid podcast powered by the Rook and the kid, the Rook and the kid, the Rook and the kid, the Rook and the kid (laughs) shatter 
the script. We'll see you guys next Wednesday. The Cowboys suck Arizona at number one. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Y'all have a good rest of y'all's week.